2: on DAP Digital Radio and 1089 and 1053 AM. Fight Night with Adam Catterall and Gareth A. Davis on TalkSport.
3: Welcome to Saturday Night Fight Night here on TalkSport. I'm Adam Catterall. As ever, Gareth A. Davis alongside me looking. Look at you, my friend. Look at those flowing locks. How are you? You well?
4: Mate, thank you very much. Very, very good and uh, ambushed by Double Ben, and I cannot wait to get (laughs) started talking to them.
3: Uh, We've got guests galore tonight. George Joyce is going to be with us in around about half an hour, as Gareth just alluded to there. We've got two guests waiting for us in the studio to uh, come and speak to you. We'll get stuck into them in a moment or two, and I'm so looking forward... Uh, To Gareth, just sharing a couple of tales of his trip to Dublin last week, where the notorious one was in company. How was he? Was he on top for
4: He was brilliant, Ed. I uh, I managed to... He had six burly minders around him. He was in this little uh, hoved-off VIP area. uh, The last time he was there, of course, at a Bellator event, he jumped into the uh, the cage and took on Mark Goddard, half the logistics crew, and uh, ended up in a massive... uh, I'd say... It um, wasn't a brawl. An alterca- alterca- altercation. And, yeah, it was an altercation. There but there were these six burly minders around him, and I didn't know if they were there yeah. to protect him or to or stop you. him getting into the game, <laughs> or, or me, exactly. But I did chat to him briefly, and I said, you know, we're missing you, we need you back, uh, Mr. Mr. McGregor. And he said, I know you miss me, I'll be back soon. So let's hope he does come back fairly soon.
3: Good. Those tales come in a little bit later on in the show. As I said, we've got an action-packed show. Loads of guests. Let's start right now. We've got two we We've got two big hitters in. Let's be straight. We're not messing about. We're not starting the show off soft. We're going in proper. And these two share the same surname.
5: For my
6: money, the most exciting prospect in police boxing at the moment. Nigel Benn in the golden trunks. And that is one punch. And Ian Chandler is down. And Benn... Can finish like a predator. Right hand,
2: left hook. Conor Ben on the verge of what would be a stunning salvage win. Oh, Big shots and Conor Ben makes it 15 out of 15. This is five great signs for Nigel
7: Ben. This is a, this is all heart. Is one in this fight going to do it? Throw it. And Conor Ben looking for a quick fire demolition job win here. In the Manchester Arena, big shots, and down he comes
0: again for the baller.
8: WBA Continental
9: Welterweight Champion, introducing Connor, the
5: Destroyer, Ben.
3: Absolute pleasure on a Saturday night to so welcome to TalkSport Towers Connor and Nigel Ben. Gentlemen.
7: How are you, sir?
3: We're all good. We're all good in this. we fighting October. Uh, having you sat alongside him, Nigel but Nigel's preparing for a fight in uh, November we've caught up recently speaking about that and for those people uh, that haven't necessarily heard our uh, previous conversations let's get straight to it let's get straight into you first of all Nigel Yeah. as to, as to why you are uh, you are back in the ring after being out of it for 23 years
7: I- I'll be honest with you I've, I've never felt this good in all my life I mean um, yeah I, t- I think that I kind of lied to myself, lied to the public Suffered with depression, um, smoking spliff, doing little fellas, started smoking at the age of eight. I think all through my career, all through my career, there was not, a lot of it was tarnished and how I treated my wife, you know, partying, sleeping about, doing all these kind of things. And just suffering from a, a, a young boy of eight years old that lost his brother in a uh, in a very traumatic way. It kind of really changed my life from a, a, a this young boy age. A lost his brother. The only way I can describe it is like when Simba lost Mufasa. He went in the wilderness, walking around, and you know, depressed. You know, and, and, and that was the same with me all through my career. It was something that that, that affected me all through my life until I I hadn't encountered when I was forty five. But besides that, I you know, I look at my career at the time, and I yeah just. Suffering with depression,
3: a lot of it. You went, you went on to hit some amazing heights in that boxing career. Yeah, in, in that period of time, like becoming world champion multiple times. Obviously, and you're in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, you know. I so
7: give a lot this people... Book of people records. I thought I'd get out of here. As well.
3: <laughs> so a lot of people from the outside looking in will say, "Well, what what else? What, what is the thing that's eating away at him? Because I he's, he's he's achieved everything."
7: Yeah, but but you know what it is. Like, it's hard for me to really like. You know, I think because of how my career went. I mean, even when I lost to Steve Collins, it was like my wife was just about to leave me. Uh, the last thing I'm thinking about is fighting Steve Collins. Um, as you know, there was a son born that was four days old than Connor. I, I just had so much grief in my life, so much. And it was all self-inflicted, but I just couldn't deal with it. And when, when I retired, I thought that was it. I didn't cry, I just thought, oh, it's, it's over. And the only thing I wanted to do is to win my wife back. And that was it. And that's all I was going to do. And so by then, my whole life had changed that I became a Christian. I had an encounter with Jesus that really changed my life. There was no more spliffing, no more little fellas, no more uh, 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 um, smoking, no more sleeping around. My whole life changed. then I just started training unbelievable i mean i trained twice every day i thought wow and then i just i think connor knew connor was like um we was training in 10 years i think you were about 10 12 that's how long i've been talking about fighting
4: but, but that's what's that 10 years ago 13 years ago the, yeah. t- the trouble is for yeah. most people who love you and you, yep, you, you, yep. you literally have millions of fans around the world your fights with Chris Eubank, Nigel, um, um, Steve Collins. Steve Collins, all, yeah. yeah. All these guys yeah. were watched by millions of people uh-huh, on TV. Uh-huh. Um, you are British boxing royalty. Mm-hmm. You only need to mention your name and people are in awe of you. But there's a lot of people concerned about Absolutely, you. Absolutely, 100%. But, but, but Nigel, they're concerned you've been away for 23 year- yes. years. Yes. They're concerned about the choice of opponent as well. Yes. In Sakio who's yes. never been stopped. Yes. Who's 40 years old. Yes who fought Adonis Stevenson <laughs> yeah. five years yes. ago, Yeah, who is a rugged, very rugged fighter and has fought even as high as light heavyweight. Yes. That don't frighten me. What I keep saying to Connor, I said, I
7: can't I can't see how he can beat me. The position that I'm in, how I feel now, I don't know how he's going to beat me. That's how I feel. I mean, if you look at what I was doing all through my career and I got to that height, regardless, everyone put this the age on it it's not about age it's about how i look after myself it's not the darkest draw i'm never going to use that name again You're benjamin button though no yeah one. absolutely because the reason why that name is so tarnished with you know so when you talk about that you talk about the affairs you talk about the drugs you talk about the depression you talk about mm. the anger you talk everything i don't want to be linked to that name because it actually says in 2 Corinthians 5.17, if anyone in Christ is a new creature, old things have passed away, and behold, new things have come. I'm a new man. It's Nigel Benjamin Button Ben. The older I get, the fitter I feel. I can't believe it. I, and I'm not just saying this. And I want everyone to know it's not about money or anything. It's an itch that I've had uh, 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 for so long. I've just, got, I've just got to scratch it. And
4: it's literally... What, sorry, Adam, I just, I just want to ask yeah, yeah. one more question. It's an itch you've got to scratch, mm-hmm. and, and you've said it's closure, and, and will it definitely be that? Because 100%. Connor even asked at the press conference, yeah. is that your last fight, Dad? 100% you,
7: know? 100%. you know what it is?
4: It's me getting home to be, because I've been
7: just training like a trooper, and it's like me just want to get home and just be with my wife and my kids. That That is it, but I have to... I don't want to be one of these guys that go, if... If only, no. And it's so funny, what really annoys me, I'm going to tell you the truth, what really annoys me, it's like, oh, everybody's wrote me off. Let me tell you, it's, to me, it's exactly the same feeling I have when I fought Gerald McClellan. Everybody doubt me. And I i believe, personally, that I could stop him. That's me. And I'm not joking, I'm not just saying that. I just know, regardless about who he is, it's about me. I know what damage I can do. I know what I can still do now at 55, even better than when I was in my 30s, because I wasn't suffering with everything what I was suffering there. And I Connor, know.
3: I just want to bring Connor in, if you don't mind, Nigel. Just, yeah. Obviously, he knows you better than anybody else that's uh, that obviously on the show this evening. What's your initial thoughts when, when your dad started speaking about this comeback? And like he said, he's been speaking about it for a long time. Mm. Now it's a reality. It's, ha- it's happening uh, a month after you are back in the ring.
10: I mean, it's still, it's crazy. I mean, I'm still, I'm still struggling to accept that it's actually happening. Like, I. It doesn't feel like it's happening because it's been spoken about for so long. It's, um, mm. And now it's actually here, you know. It's only, what, six, seven weeks away. I mean, it's crazy. We're actually in camp together. And I mean, who yeah. would have thought? <laughs> who, who really would have thought? I mean, um, it's madness. Um, you can't write my dad off. I mean, he's a legend for a reason. Mm. He, he is Nigel Benn, the dark destroyer. Well,. I and mean, we regret that. Benjamin Button Ben. Um, you know, so he's a legend for a reason. And I feel, feel like he's just going to, you know, show people that age is just the number. I mean, he's kept Absolutely. himself an unbelievable nick. Um, I mean, we went bike riding in Australia, and I mean, I'm afraid to say, yeah. I couldn't even keep up. Uh, at all I said dad I'm no, going to have to no, stay here no. you, you no, got to go get hold it, on. No you've missed it all no, out no, That's enough That's enough said though like, Listen I'm getting this I'm bigging you up here Yeah but, bigging you up but, here. No, but You're only doing it a little bit <laughs> I took him bike riding It's about 40 degrees I said I'm used to English right, I, took him, <laughs> I took <laughs> him I took <laughs> him, I took him
7: bike riding We drove we, we rode out for an hour I said all right Come on, let's turn back He said oh no dad I can't I can't <laughs> He parked up Right He had oh. to park up I went all right, son. I'll go back. I'll pick the car up and I'll come and get you. <laughs> so I had to go and drive back an hour, pick the car up, see him sitting down in the room. I'm sitting on my deathbed, sweating, <laughs> <laughs> and I had to pick the man.
10: Went, go on, Dad. Yeah. So then at that stage, I thought, you know what? Like this man's fit, like, and I'm fit. Do you know what I mean? But <laughs> you, then I was like, okay. <laughs> you know, he ain't mucking around and um, now that he's got this fight, it's actually science sealed and, you know, it's all confirmed and that, you know, you see his frame of mind change, he ain't, he ain't eating the Cadbury chocolates no more. Um, He's he's bang on the diet, he's bang on the strength and conditioning with my trainer, Dan Lawrence, Um, he's training Dan in the gym, so, you know, no, he's putting we're the hard graft imp, in. plant-based, that's all I mean. We're, implant, yeah, we're plant-based yeah. athletes, believe it or not. That's right. I mean, right. it's only the other, you know, a few weeks guys having a T-bone steak <laughs> now I'm full <laughs>
3: veggie. Yeah. Amen. You, 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 Connie, you asked him in the press conference about, listen, is, is this the only one? You're going to come back, you're going to do this one, that's the closure, because that's the whole uh, rhetoric around the fight, that it's a closure fight. And you asked him, is it really the last one? So there, is, is there an element of doubt in your mind that you maybe think that he he, he fancies another one um, at some point next year?
10: I know Dad needs closure. I think that's that's mainly what this is about. Um as he owes it to himself really and not for me it's not for me to say dad you can't fight it's not for the family to say you can't fight he owes it to himself Thank and you. he don't want to take it to the grave and go oh you know I wish I just gave it that one last shot you know whether it, whether he's got it or not he know, he'll know himself absolutely um, I think that's really what it's about it's not about the money it's not about the fame when people say it's about the money you look at his, his house that he's just built in Australia if it's about the fame well why would he move it to the other side of the world so it's for neither of them things which is why i got to give him credit for wanting to get back in there for himself and not listen yeah. to all the negative comments because they affect me he don't care I mean he's got thick skin he, he's just brushing them off I'm like alright dad I've got a lot to learn from you mate so it's one of them things um, I think fighting is an addiction. I think the highs of it is an addiction. So that's the only thing that makes me think if he sparks him out, which I believe he can, I feel, feel like... um, I just personally think, you know, I feel, why not? I've obviously still got it. No, I'm more I concerned about th- this fight because if he sparks him out, then he's obviously still got it.
4: Yeah, but I wouldn't do it no more. I you are sure? Want, no? Yeah, 100% con. You know so me. So, so w- there wouldn't be a danger that you'd think, oh, I'm getting back into this.
7: No. No, because
4: I'll be honest, if you Conor knows. I'll tell
7: you, how how my mind thinks. We got... I got on the plane, got off the plane. He said to the film crew that was following me around, he said, I bet any money, he goes straight to the gym. We got in at 5.30, at quarter past seven, we was in the gym training. Then, 12.30, then we went back to the gym again.
3: Yeah.
4: Why... Are loads of people asking me why isn't Nigel fighting Chris Eubank oh, is that a fight you tried
7: to make I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you the whole list I'm going to give I you t- the whole list well,
3: well Nigel hold on, I'll mm. tell you what we'll do, we'll have a break because I want that full story, the, okay, the full story of how we managed to get to Saki Obika. Uh-huh. we'll get to that in a minute, you're listening to Sports, stick with us this is fight night uh-huh. It's fight night on Talk Sport. Don't forget, if you miss any part of this show, because it is Saturday night, we appreciate that you might be going out and about and doing various things. You can get it on a podcast. It'll be available in the early hours of the morning. So make sure you subscribe to us via iTunes or via the TalkSport website. I'm Adam Catrol, Gareth A. Davis alongside me, and we're joined in the studio by uh, Connor and Nigel Benn. And Nigel was just about to tell us how he managed to arrive at Saki Beaker as an opponent for his comeback fight. Go for it, Nigel. i uh, well, and also
4: add, uh, just to interrupt, um, you know, while you were out in the break, um, I was saying to Nigel, isn't it true that you and Saki Obika are big mates? Because a few publications this week have yeah. said, yeah. You know, is this a kind of organised fight between but two it, guys who know each other? And, and it's not, is it, Nigel?
7: No, because I, I really want to get this point across. I know Saki, I've met him about four times in Australia and his English is not very good. He's not somebody I really socialise with it's not something i socialize i see him at a gym when Connor was training out there we we saw him once at the gym uh where he was training where where conor was but we don't associate we just his english is not very good and we, we don't we just we, we, we he's a very quiet man so we don't really that kind of socialize and then you hear people saying like um what you just read about they were saying like you know that
4: um we're, is there a bit of an agreement behind oh, the scenes? I, I, I wouldn't do that, you know. What Connor's I mean? not happy about that either.
10: Well, li- no. Listen, what it is 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 Nigel Ben. Exactly. He would never, he would never have people. Like, how can you? He's not that fighter. So for the fact that people are, you know, talking this rubbish, it's quite insulting.
7: Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's, it's,
10: I mean, it's not little insult. It's very insulting because the years um, my dad built up fighting, being a fighter of the people, what he's then going to have the people over. Well it's not like he Thank didn't you. it's not like he didn't try to fight with Chris or Collins or Roy Jones or Froch or yeah. or um XYZ So it's not that his fault that he couldn't get them fights on. Do you know what I mean? So he thought, okay, if I no, can't I, get the fight on with him, I'll fight someone who's who's, who's younger.
7: G- who's game? Who's game? But let me explain something. We try because I don't want people saying because to me, like trying to set the British public up it's like me saying, Well, oh I'm doing steroids. That's how bad I think it is for me to go Lied to the British public. I've had the British public back me for so long that then mm. I'm going to go and say, well, I'm going to make a few quid. College just seen... Uh, my wife just paid... build a six-bedroom mansion out in Australia. <laughs> cash. It is a, it is a beautiful house. <laughs> you know, cash. And I've been retired since 96. And, you know, so for me to look at the British public and think, yeah, I'm going to have you over, it's not in my nature. And I'm going to tell you, sorry, <laughs> I've got to finish... We tried to get hold of Chris Eubanks. No, oh, here
4: we go, this, this story. Right? Yeah. We
7: tried to get hold of Chris Eubanks. Oh, yeah, he's ready. In the- this is years. This is years. And he kept on mucking me about, I thought, oh, about five, six years. Because Connor was getting annoyed. He said, Daddy's not going, oh, all right, okay. So it was definitely going to happen, yeah? Yeah, we well, you wanted uh, it. Yeah, absolutely. With any of them, anyway. So then afterwards, listen, then we tried to get hold of Roy Jones, and I can show you. He wanted 10 million. 10 million. Is, he, is he mad. <laughs> then we we tried to get over um, Hopkins, couldn't get hold of him. Then afterwards, Steve Collins, maybe? yeah, hold on. <laughs> then we got on, Hopkins and, when he was what 48, 49. Well, well, this is now, oh, yeah. Now, oh, I see right, yeah. So, so Chris was no. leading, yeah, leading it on for a good four yeah, years, For five years. He was just leading me on and all that, just you know, on my knees and all that. I thought, oh, you know, now that he's got his son, he ain't really got away. No. Looking after him. I won't even go there though <laughs> but anyway but then afterwards then we had Steve Collins we had it all up in Steve you know Steve was the last of all because you know he's not a ticket seller but we thought you know what he beat us both and I thought yeah you know what I'll, I've got to give it to him you know and so we said alright Steve let's have it we, sat, we went to the same contract we won 50 then he started moving the goalposts. Well, I want to be guaranteed this or I'm not on board and then my agent in Australia said, Nigel, it's not about him. It's not about him. Because then what happened? It realised to me it was all about money. It was all about money. But with me it wasn't that. So when I started thinking, mm, I said, Lord, I pray that you bring somebody else. And then you know what? Sakio's name came up. I said to the cat Sakyo. And it, you know, really easy choice, but I thought I'll have Sakio. He said, Yeah, I'll have it. And honestly, I just make sure that I have a... If you can get me... Can I I have business... He asked me, can I have business class seats? I thought, of course course you can. That was it, but what a gentleman. Yeah. But so the difference is it wasn't about money. In fighting Saki, I thought, yeah, you know what? He's gangly, he's strong, but I'm up for it. I'm up for it. Really.
3: Wow. You can understand, though, Nigel, that the majority yeah. of fans who, who love you, yeah. I don't think anybody's got a problem with you getting rid of a ghost or whatever it yeah. is that's inside you. I don't think yeah. anybody's got a problem with that. Yeah. It's, it's the opponent choice. And I think yeah. a lot of people have looked at Sakio, only retired two years. You've been out there 23 years yeah, and absolutely. And that's where the alarm bells are for a lot of people.
7: Okay, let me, ex- let me explain something because the reason why I, I, just, I know Sakio, I've watched him fight in, in Australia, and it's like, oh, okay, he's tr- strong. But so am I. I don't think he's thought anybody like me, as ferocious as me, how I feel today. And I'm not talking about how I felt 20 years ago. I'm talking about now, how I feel. I And I can't go in there to mug myself off or to embarrass my kids, my box, my sons, as a boxer. I'm going in there and I know
10: I'm going to go out of my shield. Whatever way. You say that, but whether you, whether you thought you do better than what you did or whether you didn't so, I do this, this is between this is between this is, you and the boxing ring yeah they're saying they say me they're yeah, saying this is between yeah, you because I don't I don't think none of the family wants you to fight obviously uh, yeah, 100%. so as far as it goes being embarrassed it ain't, it ain't. Yeah. you know this is between you and the ring and something you want to do for yourself yeah, yeah, so absolute. you can then 100%, 100%. say whether yeah I'm, I'm happy sitting, with that ha- oh. I, i'm happy with that it is what it is whatever happens it yeah. is what it is it is what it is and that's that so it ain't i just i me you.
7: i actually feel like i pray that i don't hurt
10: him wow
7: i'm not ju- you don't no, <laughs> no no i'm not i'm not i telling you, you i'm telling you, <laughs> I'm I'm telling you the that. truth I mate like how i feel i'm telling you I, it's like a new man i'm born again spirit filled Got the holy ghost behind me. That's gonna
4: direct this power. I'm telling you, I'm not joking. No, I don't disbelieve you at all. Yes. And I'm not putting at you in a the. In no, a, in you don't want to, because I might, just, I might fly over <laughs> I, I, I knew that would come up at some point. <laughs> yeah, yeah us, you know so. that, did you? <laughs> I did. Um, <laughs> but the, the thing is, what's clear, Nigel, is that Connor has utter respect for what you want to do. Yeah. No.
10: Yeah, most definitely.
7: But you know what? What's good. I'm training with my son yeah, and I'm yeah. watching him train because I'll be honest with you Oh, he does my nutting now I've got to say that now he does <laughs> well, my listen, nutting it's what it's neutral. Neutral. oh my word, listen, oh, my, word.
10: Listen, my dad's getting in the ring so yeah all right, so okay, I care yeah. as if he's my son like he's my dad but yeah. I care for him the same way yeah, as if yeah. I had my son so yeah. my dad's getting in there so if I see him you know I can hear the, you know, the crackers in the cupboard talking to him. <laughs> uh, I'm, g- I'm going bloody. No, crackers. no, no, they're not their tuck biscuits. You know the ones that you no. can clean the pack out. I'm like... Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, I, and I know they're talking to him and I know he's, he's sniffing around my cupboard. And, and like, I gave him to the dog, didn't I? You did. But that's because I'm, I make you feel guilty. Yeah.
11: But I'm doing no, it on you're premise. not making after me feel good. Like you're doing the, my head in. Yeah, but after the fight,
10: I can, you, I can go right, dad. Oh, you can okay. go son. I love okay. you. Okay, I love and you. Son. Thank you. Yeah, I know right. why. It's like in school with me when you were, you areable to me. I was like, yo, dad. <laughs> I wanted you and to. get It's it. like now I know. Now I'm like dad. Thank you. But this is what's gonna happen after the fight? You're gonna go son. Oh, I love you.
7: Yeah, I'm gonna say that anyway. Anyway, <laughs> but what I'm saying is you. Remember we just got off the plane. Listen, you got off the plane. I think you fed me a bit of uh, avocado feta cheese. And feta cheese. That was at Please. twelve o'clock. We done two training sessions and then I fed again at like seven o'clock. I said, Connor, I
10: can't <laughs> last on your food. So Please I can't stop. I can't fully so go and get afterwards then
3: gents please tell me that this is being filmed for a reality show this yeah, is going at home with the bends it's coming soon is honestly you don't want yeah. that yeah. no we <laughs> not <don't> a <want laughs> camera crew no i don't want a camera crew around
7: us mate you know.
3: connor, connor just on you because you're out obviously a month before yeah. you dad um, I want, I want to get your take on how you are now developing as a pro because obviously it's difficult when you come into this game. You're Nigel Benson. Everybody's got a preconceived idea of how you should go about fighting. Me, as a fan watching you, I kind of find it interesting because every time I watch you fight, it's a different fight every single time. Sometimes yeah. it's greater boxing, <laughs> sometimes it's a tear up, sometimes <laughs> it's back and forth, which is great for me. But from your point of view, what, what, what does that Where are you at with it? Where are you at with the development and your thoughts on it?
10: Well, you know, it's like. Um... It's crazy. I mean, I don't even know until I get in there, On depending on how I feel. All I know is that the British public are going to be entertained. I mean, listen, I'm not here saying I'm going to be this and be that, because the reality is I don't know. All I know is that I work hard and, you know, I'm always going to entertain. And, you know, I'm if I'm going down, they're going down with me. I say that all the time. If I'm going down, they're going down with me at some stage of the fight. And, you know, I'm always going to get back up and give it some. So, you know, I always prepare for a fight. I love a fight. And I think that's my problem, but it's, on, it, it's,
3: it's, it's learning. What's,
7: it's what's in you, son. I mean, you know. When, but when you I,
3: proved that you can box. You've done that. I mean, in, in the fight against uh, zaradic at the O2, agreed, you, agreed. You boxed
10: then, his ears off. Ag- agreed. But then the fight after that, <laughs>
5: yeah, it was you a, went bit of a Two, two round one.
10: war.
0: <laughs> so, no, he come <laughs> out and
10: thought he'd give it some. So then I that's thought, right. you know what? He's, he was like a 30-year-old man. He thought he'd come out and, and give it some. Right. Like, I thought I'd let, you know, I'd let him know.
4: Is there gonna be a little spar between you two at some point before you both fight? What not? am
10: I, like really like proper spa?
4: <laughs> I don't know you see you see the difference is I have a vision of me
7: actually hurting his jaw.
8: You have laugh yeah, yeah but that's it what you Yeah but
7: that's it But that's what you, you a think oh. No that's
8: it Because no, i am listening. Listen, no
7: listen
10: So do you think I'm that same kid you dropped when I was 16 No listen Listen I listen I ain't care. that kid I ain't no. that kid no more No, no I don't I'm a man now I'm a man we now, have, now. A man punch, 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 take Can you now? A punch, now.
7: pack a punch harder Can you take a punch though Well I don't know yet I don't know yet I don't know yet I'll still find out I will find out But yeah I mean because one thing is with me and him, we just we just going to fight. I mean, he, yeah. he's going to throw everything at 100. me and I'll throw everything back at 100. him. That's it. But then we come out and then we, 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 we're cool. We cuddle. We're cool. Amazing. That's
3: Amazing. it. You, t- yeah. you two are off your heads. Unbelievable. That's it. <laughs> no, no, <laughs> that <is laughs> no, no, no,
7: no. That is... going to... Because he goes, he goes, he goes, Dad... we're
10: we're off our heads, mate. (laughs) 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 As soon as as I picked him up, with Dad, I just looked at him and I thought, Dad, we're off our head, mate. Like, what are we doing? Like, we're actually off our head. I said, you're you're a little bit more off your head than me. But, you know, I've got another 20 years before. (laughs)
4: before. Straight down the gym. It's a wonderful relationship you two have got. It's just such a pleasure to see you both together. It is wonderful. Truly wonderful. And
3: and smiling. Listen, both of you enjoy camp because I can tell you One thing I want to say, one
7: thing I'm saying, on Monday, we both... Getting full medicals, brain, brain scans, scans, everything. Yeah. Full medicals. Last so test. I just want to let everybody know because some people were saying like you know that I had a a, a a blood clot on my head and all that. No, don't listen to all this rubbish that you might find on Facebook and all that. Listen, I'm here and I'm fighting. No setup, no plans. We're going. I'm going in there. To have one more, one
3: more Thank you so much for Thank your time. You. Absolute pleasure. Good luck with uh, with camps, uh, Connor. We'll see you out on October 26. Nigel, we'll see you in November uh, for closure. Top stuff. Do stick with us uh, because uh, George Joyce is, is going to be with us on the show very very shortly.
8: Steel snooker, di di di. Guess who's back?
3: Action-packed show tonight here on Fight Night. You listen to TalkSport. I'm Adam Catterall, Gareth a. Davis alongside me. Uh, you've just missed Connor and Nigel Ben. If you're only just tuning into the show, but don't worry, we will stick that on the podcast because it was absolute comedy gold. I, I was serious with what I said. They definitely need some type of uh, reality TV show. You're going to hear from uh, Eddie Hearn a little bit later on in the show. Callum Smith as well. Uh, we caught up with him in Liverpool this week as he announced his next fight against John Ryder coming up in November, uh, and a couple of other of the uh, main protagonists that are on that Liverpool card. Uh, we stuck microphones in their faces so you can hear them a little bit later on however our next year I guess he's ready for a little bit of a chinwag he's making major waves in the heavyweight division sat alongside him with his manager but before that let's get a little bit of a glimpse into how George Joyce is tearing the place to pieces
8: you know
9: I'm ready for I'm ready for big you know big shots big fights and yeah I'm ready for anyone
10: oh, good right time from Joyce there
7: and a the big left hand Ustinov, blinking uncomfortably, and
2: he's counted out! They uh, have not taken down against Calhounsides for the third time in the fight. It is
3: over. Show Joe Joyce, Sam Jones, welcome to the show. How are you, boys? You well?
4: Yeah, really good. I'm How's good, going? thank you. Thanks for having me. Very
3: more than welcome. Listen, before uh, me and Gareth get stuck into a little bit of boxing, because that's the real reason why you're here. I've, um, I'm, I'm going to let you in on a little bit of a secret as to uh, why I've asked our producers to book you Joe for the show. It's because I know that you have a bachelor of uh, arts degree, and I could do with a piece oh, yes. being commissioned, <laughs> mate. You see, we could we could do with something getting commissioned for the show, and obviously you're the man to be able to do that. So if we can maybe come up with something that you could uh, that you could freestyle for us, are you an oils man? Are you what, what are you? What what what's the what's the thing that you can that you specialise in?
9: Well, I started out in oil paint um but um more recently i'm um, i like uh the uh what do you call it acrylics they dry quicker and that so you know it's a lot easier to work with and the colors are more vibrant and that so uh, i've kind of gone away from oils a little bit where, where
3: does that passion come from joe what is, is it has it always been with you as a kid like
9: yeah um growing up obviously my uh mum and dad were very arty and uh my uh so my mum did like pottery and and stuff like that my dad did like more like um you know, he taught me how to oil paint and that. So he he did he studied art at uni and um, um, obviously taught me. So uh, I guess I carried on that. And I I did a degree in fine art. So
3: yeah. Do you find it? I mean, obviously the, the game that you're in in the in the world of heavyweight boxing, it is a it's a very brutal sport. Do you find it nice to be able to kind of? Uh, detach yourself away from from that world just for a few moments whilst you go off with your easel and and paint whatever it may be and and get yourself in a different headspace?
9: Yeah, it's very therapeutic. Um, You can kind of get off your ideas and um, just, I don't know, just let your uh, right side of your brain get active and creative.
4: I remember you um, interviewing you before the Olympics and um, isn't there some kind of photo art you were really into as well at some point? Yeah,
9: yeah, in school I was... um, interested in photorealism you know getting uh, pictures as close to photographs as possible or photograph like so you can't really yeah. tell the difference but it's very um hard and painstaking to uh, reproduce a photograph and also it you know making you know different marks and uh, textures on paint is a lot more interesting um than just you know painstakingly reproducing a uh, photo
4: so so you've got it's all about the canvas when you're at work but it's also about the canvas when you're at ah, home as well, see that's right? why you're in
3: the this that's why you're in the journalist <laughs> game Gareth that's it. You Listen, see? I've
4: got I've, before I forget right Sam's here before you fought um well I'll let Sam tell the story. certain heavyweight that used to hold the WBC um heavyweight title that that Joe beat St- up uh Bermain Stavern. Yes. Yeah, I just let you thought I'd let you say his name. You nearly <laughs> had a fight with him, Sam, at the no, press conference. I and I want to know what he was going through <laughs> your head that day and what was actually going through Joe's head because he didn't care. I, I was
9: just um I, I saw the security in that and um a lot of them from Derby, so I thought oh yeah. he's fine <laughs> but, but I didn't I did step up at one point and I was just like But um he was just like he wasn't even looking at me, he was uh, focused on Sam j- over the table I've
4: never known Bermain Stavern ever say a bad word about anybody but you managed to get under his skin you normally him just in the grunt, situation. grunts he
12: was he was not a happy man <laughs> it came from las vegas we went uh, joe was training for his professional <laughs> debut was it it was his debut against ian lewison in vegas and and he was yeah. being, he was preparing for his fight against Dominic brazil that fell through and then he ended up fighting wilder and joe was there just saying look we'll give you some rounds because in america they've got this this thing about paying loads of money for sparring joe was available and the main spar Joe for four four rounds and then yeah like twice
9: once once or twice yeah and um, yeah I was just a bit like the fight is you know I was just punching him freely at will um, jabs right hands left hooks right hooks uppercuts they're they're all going in yeah and like maybe one hook big hook was returning so um, yeah I was quite quite quite
4: comfortable in the spars so he 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 came that week. Knowing that he was going to get a beating, really? I, I don't. I, I, I did think he was. Tra- like, I mean,
9: you know, when he was getting ready to, to fight Wilder, he, he wasn't really putting the training in, and the um, sparring he had was not realistic. It was like, um, I don't know, you have a go, I have a go. You know, we're we'll just like. Get- this
4: was the rematch, yeah? Yeah, yeah it was the a term. rematch. Because yeah. I went to that in Brooklyn, and he really got beaten up badly. Didn't yeah, he? it was just
12: it was mm. very quick. over it was quickly, like, wasn't it? it was was it thirty seconds? twenty seconds. Yeah, 20 seconds. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That was what it stemmed from, uh, Gareth. That that's why. And I and I just said, look, Joe was. Uh, all I said was, is you had Joe there at, to work freely with, and he went nuts, didn't he? He went absolutely. <laughs> I was worried about me, people recording,
9: and
12: but yeah, shout out to Sauk uh, Security. They uh, looked after me that day. <laughs> <laughs>
9: Joe, just regarding,
3: obviously, stateside, because I know that uh, a lot of British fighters at this moment in time are starting to make uh, their way over to America and make a few quid over there, and, 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 the, and it seems that the bigger fights seem to be away from the UK at this moment, and uh, myself and Gareth were were uh, ringside for uh, your appearance on the uh, Wilder Fury undercard, and that particular night, it really... First of all the performance was fantastic and I wasn't surprised really with the reaction of the American audience and the American people that do what we do the commentators that are out there because it was one of those moments where I think they then started taking notice of George Joyce as a as a potential heavyweight contender for the for the for the largest of belts. Did did you see it as that out there did you see a, a change in attitude from the American audience that particular night because of how devastating you were?
9: oh it was amazing amazing out there amazing venue like uh, all the whole home support as well were you know they came out in force and um obviously the american uh fans out there were you know showing me love and um i booked pre- previously before against um joe hanks and i kind of got started getting like noticed a bit more but obviously when i fought um fort uh, fought, fought, you fought. Stavern there um you know they they'd really um
12: you fought you Kalazi know, first, and then you fought yeah. Joe Hanks. In it was the Hanks.
3: It was the oh, yeah, Hanks yeah, knockout. Sorry, <laughs> Uh, on the on that wow, the Fury on the card, the Hanks knockout, because it was, yeah. there was a lot of chat building up to that. If you remember, that everybody was build, I just remember being around it, and Gareth will probably back me up with this. That everybody was building Hanks up that particular mm. week, and I'm thinking, mm, well, okay, it no, this... was
12: no pushover, I've heard. No, like, not at all. Lost yeah. Twice. Yeah. He's, he's lost twice. The in, future. To Andy Ruiz yeah. beat him in Joe that Hanks. ninth round. Yeah, it was. Yeah,
3: um, and I remember that that rhetoric being all week, and I'm thinking, okay, it's a proper test then. This for Joel. Let's see what he's all about. And you mod him. We in <laughs> what were it about two minutes, the thirty seconds. Yeah, I, was, I, hesi- I
9: hesitated. I had him. <laughs> Like wobbled, yeah. I was wondering, we were when, wondering the ref- doing, when the yeah. referee's going to step in, like do a count or something. And then I was like, oh, he didn't stop it. So I was like, okay, I'll finish him off <laughs> with a big left hook.
3: But it felt like the whole American media definitely then stood up and went, hang on, who's this guy? What's it? I mean, everybody had been talking from a British point of view about Fury and AJ at that particular point. Then all of a sudden, it were who's this your jo- who's this your Joyce guy? What's the, What's 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 this all about? And it just seemed like there was a mem- momentum shift on you in that heavyweight division. I don't know if you felt that, uh, especially you, Sam, because you obviously deal with all that side of stuff, whether you felt that as well at that particular time.
12: Well, yeah, it's it's, it's funny you should bring that up because people are talking a lot about, we'll get to uh, Daniel Dubois, there's a lot of hype, but people are forgetting Joe went out to America. He fought twice in America and he did a serious job on Joe Hanks. And a lot of people, you were there, weren't you, Gareth? A lot of people were saying, listen, this could be an upset, this could. And I think that riled Joe up, to be fair, because I was like, Joe, they're fancying this guy. And Joe went in there and...
3: Do what t- I do, t- you know what I mean? him out. <laughs> mm. Gents, you just mentioned the Dubois thing there, Sam. We're going to get to that in a minute. <laughs> and obviously, we know that um, you might have uh, a different route there, the European uh, belt and uh, Manuel Chow and what have you. We'll get to all that in a moment or two. Do stick with us. This is Fight Night on Talk Sport. Let's go. Uh, it's Fight Night on Talk Sport. I'm Adam Catterall. Uh, Gareth A. Davis alongside me delighted to be said that we're joining the studio by Joe Joyce and his manager uh, Sam Jones, gentlemen um, we said just before the break there, we mentioned the name of Daniel Dubois and I'll, I'll put this out there, right? I as a fight fan would love to see Joe Joyce versus Daniel Dubois however, what I will say at this moment in time is that I think there's more in it for Daniel Dubois than there is for Joe Joyce at yes, this moment be- because of how <laughs> fast you're moving in your professional career job you know, you've not taken any mugs on. <laughs> what are you? You're 10 fights through and you're fighting former world champions already and have now just been mandated to fight for European straps against Manuel Char.
9: Yeah, each fight is a step up for me. So, you know, I'm moving in the right direction. Uh, I've uh, potentially got the European shot against uh, Hook coming up. So, um, you know, there's some big fights that I'm going to be in, uh, involved with. And uh, next year, you know, world title. That's, uh, it's my time. And uh, you know that's what I'm going for.
3: Does it frustrate you that so many people, media, likes um, mainly fans, I suppose it is on social media and what have you, they're all oh. on that on the train for a a Joyce Dubois meet up. Yeah, it's a big fight. Than later.
9: And uh, you know we'll see what uh, Warren comes back with uh, with offers, and uh, we'll, you know, I mean, you know, some advice I've had is to take it as a, as a world title fight, but I don't mm. know if the you know if it makes sense. Uh, for, for, for uh, me and my team, then uh, we can take it.
4: Sam, you can explain the, the ins and outs of the the route that Joe might take. There's yeah. that with the WBA. There's the European title as well, yeah, isn't there?
12: Yeah, that's absolutely. So Joe is ranked above uh, the rankings in the WBA. There's three champions. They've got the super champion, the regular champion. Yeah, it works. And Joe's the gold champion. So Joe's in line to face um, the, the, the main champion, which is currently uh, Andy Ruiz. Um, underneath that is Manuel Char. So Joe's in a great position that is we've we've all hustled to get Joe into. Joe's done his bi- done the business in the ring to get him in there, and we as a team have got him there. And with um, Joe's mandatory to fight uh, for the European title, which Adjet Kabail vacated, he went and signed the top Chose not to fight Joe. The fights Frank um, offered the fight to Povetkin, David Price. They all turned the fight down, which is I, I don't have a problem with people turning the fights down because they're doing what's best for them. So the next person in line is Marco Hook who, is, who holds the record for the longest reigning Cruiserweight champion of all time behind, uh, just in front of Johnny Nelson. Um, so that's where we're going. It looks it, Frank's trying to bring it to the UK but Joe's told me and this is the kind of guy he is he just said, I don't care where the fight is I just want to go and get the belt. So it might if be it's in Ger- Germany then. It, it, mm-hmm. if, if it's in Germany, off It'll we be. go.
3: But that won't faze you, Joe because of the amazing amateur pedigree. I mean... To, you know, everybody yeah, I'm, knows I'm what to, happened to you in the Olympics.
9: I'm used to boxing all around the world and, oh yeah, bring up the Olympics again, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I, mate. I, I, no, no, it's okay, it's okay. No, I watched it again like um, about uh, two weeks ago. And um, and you still I, win. I, I still won. I like won <laughs> the first round, I won the second <laughs> yeah, round, I won the third yeah, round. Yeah, 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 I was yeah, like, yeah. Yeah. oh. Well,
4: so I've always cool. said to you, I always had you winning that. I was absolutely shocked. And the things that have come out since about Aiba it just must make you feel red-hot inside, you know? Absolutely. Well,
9: I mean, I've seen a lot of dodgy decisions in boxing from, you know, grassroots to, you know, uh, to the big fights. And, um, you know, so I wasn't surprised, um, especially I think the the league guy in Aiba Aiba was from France and obviously they had the French golden couple. So, you know, it was a great story in that. So, uh, but... Yeah, it's yeah, but just... to be
3: on the receiving end of that, that's not nice, man. You've worked all your life to get to the point of Olympic gold and to have it taken away from you in the manner that it was.
9: Yeah, exactly. And, uh, Nobody wants that. I know, but I know that's up, that's life and uh, maybe you'll get overturned sometime and I'll, I'll actually get my gold medal.
4: <laughs> Adam, or Sam rather, mentioned uh, Andy Ruiz there. I haven't had a chance to ask you yet about what you made of June the 1st at Madison Square Garden, Andy Ruiz and Anthony Joshua and obviously you may end up facing Andy Ruiz if he wins again um if he does win again Mm -hmm. do you think he'll win again and how do you assess your fight with with the likes of Andy Ruiz if you ever did meet him um yeah
9: I, I I'd love that fight and uh we'll see how it goes um with the rematch I thought you know I was very surprised as as was everyone else with um what happened on on that night I was um I think I was in Big. Was I in Big Bear? No. I, wait. I was back. No, I was back. I was watching it. Um, I was watching it on my new um gaming computer on like widescreen or whatever. I was like, I was just flabbergasted. I was like, because I was thinking maybe the fourth round Josh would go and and knock him out. I I didn't really think much of it because I saw Andy Ruiz in um in Big Bear. He was training. He was training up there for a bit and he he was sparring with uh, Charles, Charles Martin. Martin, and um. Yeah, he was just blown after like two, three rounds and uh and I think Sam asked his uh his trainer and that if uh, if if he wanted to do a few rounds with me, but um he he didn't want that and uh I think he was struggling at altitude and or he was just unfit. I, I don't know what's was going on. There was no Burger King he, up wasn't, there. he wasn't he yeah.
12: wasn't scared to fight spy Joe. He physically couldn't spy Joe. He was mm. he was Charles Martin was was, was it, And it, I rate Charles yeah, Martin because yeah. he was, he gave me some
9: good Spars. I was like <laughs> Um, he. I don't know what was going on at that time when he fought Joshua, but he was. Uh, he like I was surprised how good he was in the, uh, it, and he handled the attitude and, you know, uh, was doing like four three minute uh, four three minute rounds there. Like there's a four theory, minute round. Sorry, four
4: there's a theory that that um Anthony Joshua's confidence will have been dented by that loss to Andy Ruiz, and do, do you? Do you feel that he we know he's a he's a strong character he wouldn't have got to where he is without being one what you know what you guys do is incredible it's a
9: Oh yeah seeing him on the pads as well up there I, I could see his hand speed and that he's you know he's really fast and he he puts his shots together, together well and he can um he's calm under pressure he can like you know take shots on the on his on his gloves and he can slip and then um he'll just fire back like combinations and stuff
5: yeah
4: what do you think about uh, KSI and Logan Paul headlining <laughs> uh, uh, in Los Angeles in in uh, November, November the ninth?
9: Well, they've uh, both got good following, so big following, so people are interesting, interested in in them fighting, so um, it only brings more viewers to the sport, which is a good thing.
4: Sam, you're a manager. does, does it does it denigrate? the the standing of professional boxers who've dedicated their lives to it just because they've got 40 million uh, followers between them subscribers and they're they they're capable of as they did with the fight at Manchester Arena. Yeah, I, um I, 150 million that fight made so
12: yeah. <laughs> I, I get it in in a sense of like it's it, from both sides like because if you're a boxer that's that's grafted your whole life amateur and pro to get to a certain level and you'll never really get what they're getting um so i understand it from that side but i do understand it from the other side that you bring in a whole new audience to 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 boxing which which so you wouldn't mind managing ksi and logan paul is what you're saying um no i wouldn't really want to because 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 no because it wouldn't excite me because i know the white collar boxes aren't they i can you can go you can go and watch that anywhere can't you this is elite. Like, this is like you've got Billy Joe Saunders on the undercard, who is I rate as one of the best fighters in the whole world. I mean, I do think he's going to be up there. That's another story. But I think he'd beat be beat Canelo or Triple G. I think he's really that good. Um, he's on the undercard of it. But look, he's going to get more clout than ever before, isn't he? Because of of the card he's on. It's a, it's a it's sold out already. It could sold, sell sell the place out four times over. So I try and look at the positives and not the negatives. But I can see why people are especially boxing people are a bit um, upset by it
3: so just to finish um, European title next boys Um, have we got an idea of date when we're going to be seeing you back out Joe
9: yeah there's some dates being thrown around like the end of November or um... yeah Mid December? Right,
12: mid-December? I think if okay. it's going to be in Germany, it's going to be the back end of November. And if it's going to be okay. in the UK, it's going to be back end of December. Well,
4: it can't be November the 23rd because there's so much going on there. too much Nigel Ben's on that <laughs> yeah, night. Yeah. <laughs> um, I know that uh, Kovalev and uh, Canelo, That's Canelo's, canelo's,
3: canelo's on that Kovalev. night. So, oh, so
12: my so life. So so the Man- I think it, I think it's Eddie's show. No, no, no. no, that's the, one, it's, no? The, it's,
3: the, it's the Liverpool card on the 23rd. Kovalev and Canelo's on the 2nd of November. Yes. Sorry, the Liverpool card,
4: Nigel Ben. I know it's Wilder and Ortiz, isn't isn't it? As oh well there you go. So there you go. It's a very there busy. So it's the 30th or the 14th of December. 30th. not
12: be the 14th because that's Terence Crawford and Mick Conlon. They're fighting at the night. So we won't. We can't fight that night because Adam Booth will be with Mick Conlon. <laughs> so that's that's that date ruled out. God, it's a complicated business. isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it is.
3: So it's European titles. Win that, and then moving on down that WBA route at some point in the, at, the, at the start of 2020. Is that what we're saying, gents? That's yes. the
10: plan.
0: Absolutely. There we go.
3: super. Listen, boys, thank you so much uh, for being in. We will uh, we'll send you something to uh, to uh, stick on the old oil painting for us, uh, Joe, so we can have an original Joe Joyce, which we can auction off on the show. What do you reckon?
9: Yeah, I'm, I'll be <laughs> okay. Yeah. I've done the stuff for a while. So.
3: I'll t- tell you what, when you lift that European uh, belt, my friend, we'll have that oil painted up. That's what we'll do. Nice one. Uh, there you go Thanks thank you very much us. boys no more than welcome uh, do stick with us this is Fight Night on Talk Sport plenty more uh, to come including a little bit of a chat with Eddie Hearn don't go anywhere
2: on DAB digital radio and 1089 and 1053 AM Fight Night with Adam Catterall and Gareth A. Davis on Talk Sport
3: uh, you listen to Fight Night on Talk Sport with me Adam Catterall Gareth A. Davis alongside me this Saturday the uh, 5th uh, of a Lots to get through including a full build up about UFC 243 uh, and of course looking ahead towards Triple G going for a vacant IBF middleweight title tonight against Sergei Derevyanchenko in the early hours of the morning. Lots to talk about but first of all uh, Gareth kind of just touched upon uh, talking about the upcoming Deontay Wilder fight um, against Luis Ortiz. The rematch which is happening on November 23rd and seeing as that we've just had a heavyweight in the studio who's making great strides in the heavyweight division. I think um, we should turn our attention, or, or should I say, keep our attention on uh, the heavyweight division, because for me, Gareth, I don't know, I don't know how you were feeling about this particular fight with with the not being an announcement of a date uh, in the in the build-up said to the Tyson Fury fight. I just felt that this fight now has been confirmed and and just penned in rather than penciled in because Tyson Fury has suffered those eye injuries. And he needs a little bit of time to recoup. I thought having that fight in November and then talking about another fight in February were a little bit too close together. I think the injury to Fury has kind of opened the door for the Luis Ortiz fight.
4: Yeah, definitely, Adam. I, I'm, I really don't think that Tyson Fury's eye is ready for sparring, you know, from, say, December onwards. I think. I think we're much more likely to see that fight as a kind of an early summer fight now, if it is going to be in Las Vegas, which I think it will mm. be, because they seem to be building that as the as the venue, as the site for this big showdown. I mean, you know, I think what's fascinating at the moment is, um, apart from Tyson Fury being on WWE in the last couple of days, that was absolutely <laughs> brilliant, by the way. Takes his five kids to go and see, uh, well, because his son Prince loves The Rock, He meets The Rock, he meets Hulk Hulk Hogan and all these guys and ends up uh, getting himself... You know, he's got a segment now on the next um, WWE SmackDown. He's going to be in it. It's unbelievable because... um, But
3: if you think about that, Gareth, um, I know that it's been done before with the likes of Mayweather and I think Mike Tyson did it as well. But for those that don't know what the situation was, the WWE was moving networks and it was moving to a Friday night. It was a SmackDown thing and The Rock... Uh, Dwayne Johnson, big Hollywood actor, he was touted as this big comeback on a Friday night. Millions of people worldwide were watching that. Whoever's come up with the idea in Tyson Fury's team, yes, he's there to obviously be a good dad and, and show his boy, obviously, and meet all these superstars, but someone's obviously gone, hang on, Tyson, get involved in some type of narrative here. This is how you build a crossover superstar in the United States of America. So many people know exactly who he is right now, and when he picks up a microphone on Monday night and he speaks to that audience... My word, they're, they're building some power over there, aren't they?
4: Yeah, absolutely. And um, the thing is, once the machinery, you know, we talk, we can talk time and time again about how experienced um, and just how brilliant uh, top rank under Bob Aram are as a mm. promotional outfit, you know, promoting all the way from Muhammad Ali through the, the Four Kings, the middleweight era with marvellous Marvin Hagler and Sugar Ray Leonard through a period with... remember. He, These people are really big and became their own promoters in the end, but he promoted Oscar De La Hoya, he promoted Floyd Mayweather, he promoted Manny Pacquiao, he's got Terence Crawford and he's got Vasil Lomachenko. But you look at all those names and, if anything, you've probably got to say that Tyson Fury, in terms of a personality as well as a boxer, I'm not saying, I'm not comparing him to Muhammad Ali as a boxer, but if you take Tyson Fury's personality and what he's capable of and his backstory, and perhaps that he's from an what we might call an, an ethnic minority, being a traveller, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. he's actually got all the qualities to be able to build him because he's got the personality to go with it. He looked so, you know, I love him with his. I mean. I've got to confess when I've had a few tequilas I do love <laughs> taking my shirt off and just wearing my shirt without just wearing my suit without a my shirt yeah. just a blazer and trousers and no shirt he does look good like that and he just played it to perfection last night climbing mm. over the, uh, the 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 billboards and and stepping into the the ring apron if you like and against against Braun, who's 6 foot 8 himself so you know is he is, is
3: tyson fury a bigger Maybe a bigger star is the wrong phrase. Is it is he more well known in the United States of America than Deontay Wilder?
4: It's a very good question, and I think my feeling is yes he is. I mean I think um I think what really resonated on ESPN was his interviews that he's done. Yeah. Um well there's two things, there's a negative and as a positive. There was the there was the gay ESPN. Um, journalist, presenter, that came out and slammed Tyson Fury that, that made a kind of negative name for him. And uh, they're going to address that at some point. I think he's going to go one-on-one with, with Tyson Fury. But there's there, there's also that, that mental health story that he tells so brilliantly about the dark places he was in mm-hmm. that really did resonate on ESPN as well. And, you know, um, ESPN in America is literally sky and, an, and, a, and a terrestrial channel rolled into one. It has a huge reach. It's on in every bar and every eatery in America. So I, yeah, I just think, look, he's, he's only had two fights in America on this, three fights in America, sorry, if you if you count the, the fight with Deontay Wilder, but only two fights under this big promotional banner with ESPN uh, and, and top rank. But I think they are just building an incredible character and in some ways... The boxing itself is has become slightly marginalised now, but we do need to see him in that very very big fight, and I mean against Braun. No, not really. Um, <laughs> no, the, the, but he is gonna. He, that's gonna happen at some point. He's gonna be on the WWE.
3: Yeah,
4: um, no question. But but we again, you and I till we're blue in the face. Ed, we have said time and time again, uh, and Joe Joyce off air was was saying similar things that um, we are struggling with these big heavyweights not fighting each other. It yeah. needs to happen, and 2020 needs to be the year of it.
3: Well, in all, with all credit to Wilder, I mean, yes, of course, Tyson Fury, Anthony Joshua, Andy Ruiz, these these are the types of names we want to see these guys all fighting each other. But if you look at a Luis Ortiz, the first fight that Deontay Wilder gave us with Luis Ortiz was an absolute crackerjack. And I've, you know, if if this is the best case scenario at this moment in time I'm okay with with this happening on November the 23rd, I think it it should be an absolute belter.
4: Yeah I think so absolutely, listen I can reveal Will Gavin's just been in, just popped in he's been whispering to me while you've been uh, chatting away Um, he's given me a little exclusive Tyson Fury's going to be on WWE on October the 31st in Riyadh, Saudi Arabia he's turning up on the Monday night and he's going to do some stuff over there, how about that?
3: There you go mate. That's it's good excellent. isn't it? They're they're all using the uh, the wwe to, obviously uh, um to, <laughs> to to extend their profiles to a brand-spanking new audience because there's it's it's, it's for me, I don't get the WWE thing. I know Will will come on after us and he'll, he'll sing his praises because I know he's a massive fan. But for me, I don't necessarily get it, but I totally understand what it is. And so many people, millions of eyes worldwide are absolutely into this sports entertainment. And if you can put the heavyweight champion of the world or a heavyweight fighter in that in that... In front of that audience, and they bring let's say one percent, two percent, three percent of that audience to them to the next fight. That converts to an awful well, amount of dollars.
4: Well, we, we we like we like real fights, don't we? We like MMA and we like boxing. We like the mm-hmm. really hard. Um, I like blood and guts. Blood and like guts. Blood, That's where exactly. I'm at. <laughs> we like blood guts and glory. But the thing <laughs> is, you know, as we're learning with KSI and, and Logan Paul, who have earned so much money from basically um, white collar fighting um amateur fighting you know settling a duel if you like Mm. with gloves um and what we learn with wwe is that people want to be entertained they like the drama you know most of social media is built around schadenfreude isn't it you know Mm. most of it is built around whether we like it or not there's a tacit mocking on social media most of the time you know um that that it's part of social media and it's part of the, the the growth of kind of the internet growth of um, um, that strain of entertainment. And that's what WWE is, and yet it's still on television. It's a phenomenon. Like you, I'm not... I wouldn't say I'm not a fan of it, because I I did buy the, 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 the Mike Tyson WWE. I did buy the Floyd Mayweather one when he fought the Big Show. And I actually stayed up till four in the morning to watch it. And he was running through Big Show's legs, and he knocked him out and all of that kind of stuff. Climbed up a ladder to hit him, all that kind of stuff that he did. Um, but it, I, I think that that audience can, I think that audience can enjoy seeing a Tyson Fury later in a boxing match. Um, mm. I do think it extends the sport.
3: Um, well, a couple of months ago, Deontay Wilder was in London. He came to see myself and Gareth. We had a little bit of a sit down because we knew that it would probably be Ortiz next. It's now confirmed that it is him in November and you're going to hear parts of that conversation in a moment or two here on TalkSport. Don't go anywhere. It's fight night on TalkSport. I'm Adam Cattrall, Gareth a. Davis alongside me as ever. Uh, now a couple of months ago, the WBC champion of the world uh, joined myself Ga- uh, and Gareth uh, right here at, in TalkSport Towers and he told us... Uh, that he wanted to bless Lewis Ortiz one more time. What I think a lot of fight fans have fallen for with you is an attitude thing. Because the Lewis Ortiz fight, that was clinical, you knocked him out. I know that there's a narrative of the fight that other people might have an opinion of, but you won the fight. Mm. You've got the Tyson Fury one. Obviously, a draw kind of leaves a little bit of a taste in people's mouths where they want to see it again. They want to see a conclusion. Mm -hmm. And I like the aspect that you have gone, well, hang on a minute. People think that Ortiz was beating me, but I ended up getting the job done. I'm going in again and I'm going to prove to you this time that I'm the man. Yes. Then I'm going to go and take the other guy that I drew against and I'm going to show you that I'm the man against him as well. We are constantly speaking about our show about not seeing the best against the best. The guys right. challenging themselves against the best guys. And I think that's why maybe a lot of fans have taken to you because you've come out and gone, all right then, you think I lost that fight? Let's go again. Let's no, again.
8: But, Run but, a bet.
4: But, but also to add to Adam's question, is it a bit weird, like psychologically as a fighter, to be having two fights in between fighting this other guy again because obviously you 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 banjoed dominic brazil unbelievable and i do remember writing off that and we both spoke about this you are probably the most dangerous single puncher in the history of the heavyweight division in the history of boxing but then you fight Luis ortiz and then you fight tyson fury
8: psychologically is that a strange thing to be doing I mean, when you say you want to be the best and want to prove to the world that you're the best, I don't think it's strange. I mean, it's just me showing the world that I am the best. So let's bring back some dangerous fighters. Let's run it back again. You know, find Luis Ortiz. You know, they may call him old, but what top fighter? Mm. that has? Plus six, six rounds, of... he was giving
4: you trouble. I know, I'm saying uh, yeah, yeah, you
8: trouble. It's boxing. Styles may fight. Things can happen. He's very. He was very... Articulate. He was yes. very smart about what he did you know but so was your knew. uppercut Yeah, my, you know, it was a very challenging fight And I love to be in challenging fights like that But the thing, you know and, and for me to be able to do that And I had the flu, you know uh, it, it was amazing But I love the channel that he had So these guys at the top that has a status Or has some type of standing You know, in the rankings They don't want to touch him But they call him old So I see it don't make sense to me I'm like, if he's old it's an easy touch-up, easy finish for you. Now you can put yourself in position, just like with the Dylan White situation. Um, I told Dylan, fight Ortiz. Then you got me. You say he's old. Oh, this is easy. This is, you know, this is a touch-up for you. Then you got me. And then he, he didn't want to fight it. Didn't Didn't Then, the, then the, 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 the WBC mandated him to fight him. He still didn't want to do it, you know, so forth. So he has so many opportunities. I ain't understand. I don't understand why people don't want to fight him, but they are quick to say he's old mm. and, and and that is the reason. That ain't no well enough excuse. Ortiz is a skillful fighter. He brings a lot of value to the heavyweight division because of his skills alone. No matter, you know, I, I think he's the type of fighter that needs a big fight to get up off of. Because mm. his last performance, of course, he already had the mindset. Ortiz loves a challenge. You know, the Cubans, they love a challenge. They're very, you know. It, it fatigue about what they do and how they do it, and they love challenges. And with Ortiz, he love a challenge. So not only I'm get going through, going down his 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 neighborhood again, but I'm blessing him once more. You know, it's two things. Not only. I, I'm really just blessing Ortiz, you know what I mean? So we'll see what happened to that. Because I have ties with Ortiz, you know. Him and his, My daughter and his daughter, you know, he had a daughter with a uh, skin disease, and my daughter was born with spina bifida. So that's the reason I blessed him the first time. After, him test, um, uh, after his drug test, um, him alerting, you know, using PEDs or whatever, I still came back and blessed him yep. because of the ties we have with our daughters. And Amazing. He's not getting big fights, so I want to bless him again. I know I beat him the first time and I knocked him out. Although they tried to say I had a rest, I've never been on a network that talked great about me. You know, it's always <laughs> what I'm not doing and what the other guys doing. You know, you know, even on my work networks I work with, which is crazy. But you know, I wanted to, you know, basically just give him this opportunity to feed his family and his daughter. Then we Lovely. move on to Tyson. Amazing, Fury. just but to knock co- him out in the process. I almost definitely. Yeah. easier, just easier to- and quicker. <laughs> Deontay Wilder a couple of months
3: back coming to see uh, me and Gareth here at uh, Talksport, and as I said at the time, Gareth, th- there's two different uh, Deontay Wilders, isn't there? There's Deontay Wilder that we were speaking to there, who was articulate, such a nice, humble young man, um, and then there's the Bronze Bomber, who is uh, a totally different kettle of fish when it comes to uh, to fight week. And I think it's for, or uh, I think it's our job really, is uh, with what we do, to try and explain that to fight fans. Some will get it, some won't get it but he is a very different character when it comes to uh, fight week, and we we hear a different rhetoric from him, don't we, of which sometimes gets him into trouble.
4: Definitely. I mean, his personality is definitely not middle-order batsman in the third 11, <laughs> is it? There's no question about that. He is a top-notch personality. Again, it's like you said earlier... Um, who who do you think Gareth is? Is the most well-known heavyweight in America? Is it Tyson Fury or Deontay Wilder? Something has not been done right in my view in the way that he's been promoted in America. I think he has become bigger. Um, it's funny, you know, uh, that day after we'd been in the side studio, um, after it, it, it turned into. Um, Fan girl and fanboy boy uh, talk yeah. sport that day. I think there were about a hundred people all around him, wanted to get selfies with him. Um, it was it was quite incredible. I went downstairs and I showed him um, the video of when he was the bronze bomber and when he kind of went into my face and gave gave me a, the yes. hairdryer treatment in L.A. and that was he was Fury
3: it, Week, yeah,
4: in Fury Week, um, and he was actually saying then, wow, he was actually saying this, wow, that. Is he, he
3: doesn't recognise that guy. oh no, he doesn't exactly, recognise, doesn't recognise
4: guy. that guy. And like you say, Ed, it's a very good point you're making that we get to see, or the, the public gets to see these guys in fight week when they're tense, when they're, um, you know, not for the heavyweights, but when other um, divisions are cutting weight, Yeah, when heavyweights are, there's so much on the line for these guys every time they fight. Um, and it is amazing to... Um, I mean, look at tonight with Connor and Ben and nigel ben in here and i 'm going to mention i 'm going to mention please listen to the podcast when this comes out because they were <laughs> incredible tonight. I just wish we 'd had them on for the whole three hours because they were just unbelievable. It was just like wind them up and let them go wasn 't it It was unbelievable, and I think we we they were in very relaxed mode tonight, and I think we do see a different animal, if you like, a different type of human being when they're not in competitive mode. You know, when yeah. they're not, when they haven't got their rivals staring them down. Where they're where they're concerned psychologically about embarrassment on that night, about letting people they love down, all those things that fighters go through when they're building up to a contest, the embarrassment, the, the, the little niggles, the, the, the injuries, the, 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 the fear that they all have, the, the nerves that they're dealing with, all those things, Ed, that, um, w- that make this sport so special and so individual.
3: Here's one for you then. Um, As I asked you earlier on, who is the bigger name at this moment in time, and and, and we kind of both agree that at this moment Tyson Fury seems to be making bigger waves in, in the United States, would Deontay Wilder, given the type of character that he is, the way that he goes about fighting, because he's extremely exciting when he fights, if he was under the tutelage of top rank and Bob Aaron, do you think he'd be a bigger name?
4: Definitely. No question at all.
3: Um, I've, got, I've got to agree
4: because I think they would platform him in a different way. I think they would, you know, like we saw with Tyson Fury at the WWE yesterday. It, yeah. it, these are these are strategically placed public relations opportunities, and you know, as long as you've got the right character. To be able to do them which Deontay wilder does have he's yes. bigger than boxing he's he's definitely bigger than boxing i do think that if he was promoted in the right way he could be a much much bigger name
3: it, it's pure, for me it's purely down to promotion because like you've just said he's got the personality he talks the talk he gives you the sound bites that you need when you when we're lucky enough to sit down when he's not in fight week he's a very humble guy he, he shows you a raw emotion side of him which is very very important if you want to connect Uh, and and transcend the sport. And then when he's in the ring, we're not talking about a guy that dances for 12 rounds. We're talking about a guy that gets in there as an explosive, you know? And in the heavyweight division, people tune into that because they want to see people go over. And Deontay Wilder's a specialist at it. So for me, it purely comes down to how he's being promoted because it's not him for for me.
4: Definitely. Um, And I think, you know, heavyweight boxing, you know, as we always say in the industry, it's heavyweight boxing and the rest. And heavyweight boxing has always been about knockouts and remarkably Tyson Fury isn't a knockout merchant which is what makes him remarkable as well but Deontay Wilder is such an incredible puncher arguably arguably and I say this with respect to all the great champions before him um, you know the Mike Tysons of this world the the, the 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 Joe Lewis really big punches in single punch terms. He hits as hard as anyone that's ever boxed at heavyweight. Single punch terms, because he finishes people with one punch. And I think, you know, um, the the other thing about Deontay, um, the the, the backstory he has, Adam, with his daughter with spina bifida. Yeah. Um, that's that's the very gentle, very deep very caring side of him. Um, You know, it's it's one of the reasons why he wants to fight Luis Ortiz for a second time. Because, you know, as he said, Luis Ortiz has got a disabled daughter. Mm. And, you know, I I, I want to help him. And it's it's a brilliant thing, too. But what I do find funny is... um,
3: he wasn't helping by knocking him out. It's he wasn't helping by knocking him out. No,
4: but, but how 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 time alters the way someone sees a fight and uh he, he he blamed the commentators for robbing him of victory over Tyson Fury. Yeah. Um he claimed that fans don't know what the hell they're looking at after his draw with the Gypsy King last year. Um which again is him building himself up for that rematch. Um hmm. you know.
3: Does, just, a, just a quick one before we move on to Callum Smith because we've been catching up with him this week. I just want to ask you, re- regarding the rematch of Anthony Joshua and Andy Ruiz, we know that Ruiz is with the same management company as Deontay Wilder. Does the does the result of that fight between Ruiz and Joshua two does that affect what happens with Deontay Wilder next? Because we're all thinking after Ortiz, it's Tyson Fury. That's what we're thinking. But if Ruiz comes through, can you see a world title unification before Tyson Fury?
4: All right, put it, let me put it this way. And I want the first name that comes into your head. Who wins, Wilder or Ruiz? Wilder. There you go. So he's got four belts, and he fights Fury for four of the belts. You don't wow. get a bigger fight than that. So, yes, they're both promoted by Al Heyman or, or managed by Al Heyman. Yes. They, it, it's a big fight for America. Um you know, so what
3: you're saying is that if Ruiz comes through beating Edge, you you're going to say you would imagine that you would see Wilder Ruiz before you saw Wilder I, Fury next. I, I
4: think so because you know, um, it's a, it's again it's a great fight for Andy Ruiz in terms of what he'll get paid as well. Yeah, I um, yeah, I totally see it, and and also it it allows them to elongate the build up for. Um, Wilder and Fury to to maybe the autumn, maybe mid-September in Vegas, which is the other, you know, Mexican Independence weekend. So, you know, it really makes sense, Adam. This is the way boxing works. It's a sport, Mm. but it's a business.
3: Mm. Uh, You're listening to Fight Night on TalkSport. I'm Adam Catterall. Gareth A. Davis is ever alongside me. Um, Nick Peake's been catching up with Callum Smith in Liverpool this week, and you're going to hear that conversation next. It's fight night on Talk Sport. Uh Now, Nick P, our colleague Caught up with Callum Smith At his press conference ahead of uh, that big fight That he's got lined up with John Ryder And he started by telling Nick how much he's looking forward To fighting back in Liverpool
11: I love fighting in my home city As much as I enjoyed Madison Square Garden you know, Saturday, Germany, There's nothing quite like fighting in Liverpool And The goal when I turned professional was to win a world title and bring it back. I fulfilled that promise and now is the chance to fight in a world title, fight in front of my own fans and now I just need to perform and leave them happy.
5: A lot of people talking about motivation for this fight. There's been a lot of big names spoken about in the last six months. Uh, John Ryder isn't necessarily one of those big names. But for you, is the motivation really the fact that it's back on home soil?
11: Yeah, a bit of both. There's motivation to say I could fight anyone. It's in Liverpool. So that adds motivation. And the, the names that are getting talked about and you know, the possibility of Anfield in May, that all... Disappears if I do slip up, so that's motivation as well, and the fact that I'm world champion, and you know I worked so hard to get here, and waited so long to get here, I'm not just going to you know, slip up and give it to John Ryder. So I don't know, that's all the motivation I need. I you know, like to think I'm a winner, and every fight I've ever had since it was the debut, I've treated as a must-win, and this is no different.
5: Box of the Year 2019 uh, we voted for at the weekend by the British Boxing Board of Control, but when you look at those 12 months, a lot of frustration in those 12 months as well, so a bit of a yeah. bittersweet one for you.
11: Yeah, it's been a bit of both in the last on paper the last 12 months have been no unbelievable for me, but I'd like to have fought a little bit more I'd like to have secured probably the bigger names, the unification fights but it's probably been a story in my career the last 5 years I've, I've, you know, I've sat and waited around for fights that some have happened, some haven't happened, but as long as I keep winning, I've got a good team. I'm sure they can provide the, the unification fights for me. I watched the WBC title fight the weekend, and as good as you think he is, I watch it and just think, I can beat you, and I know I can. So they're, they're what I want. I want. I want the unification fights, and they're the fights that will motivate me.
5: Watching that fight, were you happy? Benavidez won, because Darrell's dodged it his entire life. So if either one, he'd have dodged it again, I'm sure. When
11: I mentioned Darrell, I mean missus said, don't fight him. Don't ever fight him, because obviously seen... How much it mess with my head and stuff, but Benavidez is a good fighter, he's someone I've kept an eye on a long time, I think he was always touted to to reach reach the level he has, he's he's a good fighter, he's big, he's strong, he's big for the weight, but I do watch him and I do see gaps, and I do think if it was me in front of him, I do believe I'd beat him, he'd probably tell you different, but they're the fights I want, they're the fights that I'm sure the fans want to see as well, Caleb Plant, Benavidez, Billy Joe Saunders, there's four world champions who are all unbeaten, I'd like to change that. I'd like to like to fight some of them and you know, take the draw off them.
5: John Ryder's obviously positioned himself as your mandatory, hence the reason why he's got the shot on November 23rd. But I think most British fight fans, given the choice, would have said Callum versus Billy Joe or Eubank. And then John Ryder. Did you feel kind of the same way? Um,
11: yeah, yeah, I don't know it was one of them. Obviously, the, the man he got called. And it's you, you can sometimes ask for a little bit of time and squeeze a fight in. But then I thought of a fight now and then it becomes you know, possible and mandatory. I'd have had to take care of it early next year, which is when the plan is to get a massive fight, so it was more just get it out the way, and then I knew I was going to be fighting in Liverpool, and if it was a voluntary defence against someone in the top 15, the likelihood no-one would probably know who it was, and it, people would have been a little bit disappointed, whereas at least with John Radley, he's, he's British, people know who he is, and he is on a good run of form, he has earned a shot as a mandatory, but... I'm in good form myself, and no, unfortunately for him, I believe I'm in the good form of my career. So, no, I believe I can, can go in, I can do a good job, and I believe I can do a, no, a destructive job.
5: Is this a, 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 the type of fight where you've got to look sensational? Because anything but sensational, people are going to go, well, you know, John Ryder lost against Rocky Fielding, yeah, Callum beat Rocky Fielding in a round.
11: Yeah, I believe I've always had that. It's an and I underperformed, probably against, on Goodison. And he underperformed against Scotland, and I'm still earning it now. Yeah, yeah, he's won that, but he struggled with a at Goodison and it's like I've always the magnifying glass has always kind of been on me. Every every fight I've ever had, I've always had to perform, and I'm a bit of a perfectionist myself, so I always criticise myself after fights, and I always want perfection, and this is no different. And people speak about the, the Canelos and stuff, and the only way I'm going to get that fight is if the public demand it, and if I scrape past John rather and stink the place out. No one's going to demand me fight Canelo. So a performance, a bit like Madison Square Garden, I woke up the next morning and you know, my Twitter blew up and it was, he's the man to beat Canelo and that that's what I want to do. I want to just keep people talking about me and performances where people watch me and say, yeah, he is the best in the division, no one's beating him. Whereas if, if I start to underperform, then you get people chirping up saying, oh yeah, he's the best in the division and the goal now is to cement me place, place as the number one super middleweight in the world.
5: Speaking to obviously yourself there, there's so much happening in 2020. Hopefully that Anfield fight in May would be absolutely incredible for this city. But I've just had a chat with John Ryder there and he basically said there is no November 24th for me. There's only yeah. November 23rd and you know he's going to come to Liverpool because this is his dream as well. He dreams to be world champion. He gets the shot at the guy at the top of the tree.
11: Yeah, exactly. You know, I've, I've been in his position. I was, I, was, I, no, I was fighting George Groves and a lot of people wrote me off and I remember in the training camp thinking... I've waited so long for this shot and I've worked so hard to, to get it. Another one mightn't come if I lose this and that was my motivation. I've got to take this shot. If I don't take it, I might have to retire and never win a world title. And It, all, it brought out a little bit more in me and every tough session dragged that little bit more out of me and I probably performed 10% better than I ever have done and I've got to expect that from John Ryder and I am expecting that, but I've said a while and it's not disrespectful, but... I've always concentrated on me, and as long as I turn up, I'm in the best shape possible, and I perform the way I know I can, I beat
5: anyone in the world, and that includes John Ryder. Trouble with beating other people in the world. Does your future in the next 12 months remain at 168 with the Caleb Plants, with the Benavides, with the Billy Joe Saunders of this world? Because I was speaking to Joe Gallagher on the Fight Disciples podcast just last week, and Joe was saying... Once this fight's done, November 23rd, 175 for two, for 2020. We've had enough for moving up to 175. Is that just Joe being Joe, or is there the truth in it? It's, it's a bit of, obviously, he sees me. He, see, he come
11: to the gym the other day, and I had me clothes, and he was like, you look massive. And then I am getting bigger, and it is getting harder, but now I basically die for eight weeks rather than four. When I turned professional, I used to just eat what I want, and then I'd do it really easy, but it's getting harder and harder to make it, but... I've got a very good team, I've got a very good nutritionist and we do all the testing and as long as I'm dedicated, I can do the weight I can do it well and I can perform at it my last few performances suggest that so until I realise it's taken a little bit from my performances and I'd hate to lose i have to blame the weight or blame my fitness as long as I'm in 100% shape and I've done the weight right then if someone beats me, they beat the best version of me and I'll have no regrets but until it's affecting my performances I'd like to stay at 168 and potentially clean up
5: that fight in May won't go away but financially probably the bigger fight would be Canelo beats Kovalev and then you move up fight Canelo obviously you'll have to travel for the Canelo fight um, is that the dream scenario for you or do you really want to do that Anfield thing
11: it's a bit of bowl, obviously Anfield I remember thinking if I don't do it in May it'll probably never happen but if I get off with Canelo in Vegas I'd probably have to take the Canelo one in Vegas kind of thing but it's he's the biggest name in the sport and I'd bite your hand off to share the ring with him and, I believe I can beat him. I'm not saying I'm a better fighter than him. I believe he's top three pound for pound. I don't put myself in the top three pound for pound, but stars make fights, and size is a big thing, and I believe I've got size with a bit of ability with it as well, and I do believe I can beat him, but I can't waste my career waiting for a fight that might never come. I've got to just keep winning, and there's plenty of other big fights out there for me in the meantime, and that's it. I'm not chasing Canelo. If he wants to phone me and offer me the fight, then he can, but the other fighters in my weight division who, who I would love to fight and are probably a little bit easier to make.
5: If Canelo beats Kovalev, and I'll ask you about that fight in a second, do you think actually does win, but would Kovalev on the back of a Canelo defeat at Anfield still make sense?
11: No. Joe mentioned that the other day, and I just think if Canelo goes and beats Kovalev, then it's probably a little bit more risk than reward. I beat him. I don't get his world title. Probably don't get any credit for it because Canelo's just done it. And isn't he still a good fighter, Kovalev? People are saying he's finished but he's still a world champion, he's good enough to beat on the yard and although he does tire late on, it's getting to the later rounds. You know, he's very good early on and you know, he's got good straight hours and stuff, but I think if if Canel was to beat him, I think it's a little bit too much risk versus reward.
5: has obviously moved up to twelve stone, in your weight division, won the the lesser version of the WBA world title, you've obviously got the, the full version. Were you surprised he never really came looking to, for you to cement his position as super middleweight champion before then moving up? Or do you think the Kovalev has just been too big of a draw for him? I don't know, because I think when he moved up and obviously chose
11: the lesser version of the WBA, I thought he was just kind of accepting that he's not a super middle and he's seen an opportunity and he was going to go back down. But the fact that he's gone to 175 probably thinks, well, you obviously are big enough for super middle, and then why didn't you go for, not just me, but compared to was a Mexican world champion at the time David Benavides, I think he's half Mexican so the, there was other big fights for him who'd have, have probably got a lot more credit for beating whereas people now say oh he's not really a three weight world champion because he didn't win a full full world title whereas I'm open if he beats Kovalev I can the fight him at my light heavy or I'd love him to come back down to 168 I think that's probably a better move for him because I don't think if he does beat Kovalev I don't think he'd be calling out any of the other champions at light heavy I think they're more younger, fresher and I think he's picked the right target in Kovalev. Yeah,
5: there's a real murderous row of Eastern Europeans that yeah, yeah. you know nobody needs because they're not big ticket sellers. Yeah, but obviously the world champions. Yeah, there's, listen, it's, a, it's a very good weight division. But
11: you go and ask the man on the street down there, he probably won't name you one of them. But if you're a boxing fan and you know you're boxing, then know there's four, four very good world champions. But three of them are young and fresh. One's a little bit over the hill. And I think Canelo's gone for the right one. and I'd be very surprised if if, if he's calling for unification at 175. I think he'll probably defend his own belt, or I think he'll come back down to either 168 or 160. Hopefully, 168.
5: The dream scenario for you then is a Kovalev win over Canelo, and then Kovalev at Anfield. Would that be the perfect move? Um,
11: but listen, I don't know. Obviously, I'd rather fight Canelo, but it'd probably be more realistic and easier to fight Kovalev than Canelo. I think if Canelo wins, it's still no closer or further away than a fight with me Canelo fight who he wants to fight I don't think he'll get told who he's fighting next they do him and his team want to fight and it, it is what it is I'd love it to be me but I doubt it I, if you ask me do I think I'll fight Canelo I don't to be honest with you I don't think that fight happens but if if Kovalev can win then I would move up definitely can Kovalev win? does he win? he could do yeah listen it's not everyone saying oh it's an easy fight and I've seen people saying tagging me and they're saying Leave up your smash Kovalev and I believe I beat him but it's not an easy fight, it's still a tough fight but I do think it's, it's the timing's right and I, I don't think Canelo's team would have took it if they didn't feel he'd do it.
5: Those two aside then, if we do Anfield in May, yeah. who is who is the opponent?
11: I speak to that man there but there's, there's Glovkin, Billy Osso there's Eubank, Benavides. There's, there's a lot of a lot of names who, who, who could, could be in the opposite corner and a lot of names that I do want to fight that man there has got to deliver the pressure's on him but the pressure's on me November 23rd as well all his talks are relevant if I slip up so I'm fully focused on that fight and John Ryder's got me me full attention
5: Is it a case of jumping on John Ryder early as well and you know taking that confidence out of him the confidence of a man who's, who's on a four fight winning streak?
11: Yeah and no I've always said that it's not do my tactics I believe that about being big-headed but obviously there's a big size difference so the, the natural thing is to stand off and box him and don't let him in close and his job's got to be to try and get inside but I believe I beat him inside as well I'm, you know, me me inside fighting's very underrated and I believe that will probably not break his heart but I think when he does work hard to get close and when he does I'm catching him inside as well I think I'll slowly just chip away at I him and I do feel I can't stop him
3: Callum Smith speaking to Nick Pete a little earlier on this week also at that press conference Nick caught up with Eddie Hearn and you're going to hear it next on TalkSport Don't call it a coach Every Saturday night here on Talk Sport, it's all about fight night. I'm Adam Catterall, Gareth o. Davis alongside me, and Nick Pete's been out and about this week with his microphone, wafting it in people's faces, in Liverpool in particular, at the Callum Smith press conference ahead of his fight uh, with John Ryder. At that same press conference, Nick also managed to have a quick chat with Eddie Hearn, um, uh, and the match room promoter told him that John won't be a walk in the park for Callum.
6: Ryder's been a guy for a long time whose confidence hasn't really been that high. Now he's buzzing. He's buzzing. But as Callum Smith pointed out to me, he's on a pretty good run as well. So I think you've got the best super middleweight in the world against a real top 10 guy right now who's who's buzzing. You know, it's London versus Liverpool. And I, I like that because I think there's always that more edge, like you said, speaking to him, knowing... What a chance for John Ryder. You know, everyone's talking about Callum Smith and Anfield and Billy Joe Saunders and this, but this is Ryder's chance to just completely turn the division on its
5: head. Yeah, speaking to John he was saying the Eubank fight he'd signed, he was yeah, ready, worked, he was yeah. in and he was and then suddenly he said that fight fell through and he wins the loss, he gets the even yeah, bigger fight. Yeah. So, you know, speaking to him he said, There is no November twenty fourth for me, it's yeah. all about this. Meanwhile, all the chat around Callum is oh, what's happening in yeah, May. Yeah.
6: But I will say that's not really Callum's mindset. You know, that's the promoter's mindset in me saying if we're going to go to Anfield next year, which if he wins on November 23rd, we are, then we've got to get that in place. You know, you can't just turn up in in December and try and make plans for four or five months later. So those conversations with Anfield and Liverpool have been had. You know, those guys, Billy Hogan, those great people who really embrace the chance to hold a major boxing event in this city at Anfield. And it would be, you know, you're a scouser, you know, that would be like one for the ages. I mean, I did, I did Goodison Park at late notice, one of the best nights of my life when Bellew won there. So to do Anfield in a massive fight for Callum and Pricey as well. You know, David Price right now is coming off three wins. I bumped into him on IB for outside a beach club and he said to me, you know what I've been thinking? I think I've got a future in this sport, you know. I mean, he might have had a couple of beers at the time. But what he said was, you've just basically slung me in fights at short notice for a load of money. I said, that's what you've asked for. He said, well, I don't want to do that now. He said, I really feel good. I'm enjoying my boxing. Give me a good fight against a fighter that can test me. I can learn, but I'm favourite against. Do you know what I mean? And then next year, sling me in in Anfield against a Pavekin or an Usyk or a Chisora or, you know, these kind of guys. So... You know, and he's so popular, as well pricey. Like they, those two work really well together, and then also you know, you've got Craig Glover against Billem Smith's a great fight as well. You've got Matt, uh, Farrell against Masher, you know, one for the uh, Liverpool, is V. Birkenhead. So nice. Yeah, exactly. So it's just great to be back here. And you know for Callum, who I really think is established now it's not just pound for pound number one in Britain, you know, number one in the world at 168. And there's a lot of people, Billy Joe and those kind of guys who might think differently, but on paper right now, I think Callum is the man to beat.
5: The talk about Anfield in May. Realistically, what kind of gate would you hope for? Well,
6: it depends who it is. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I think there's only th- three to four, the four to five fights that you could stage at Anfield. That's Golovkin, that's Billy Joe Saunders, that's Canelo, which would be a you know a miracle and unlikely. Danny Jacobs, perhaps if he had a big win, but and Chris Eubank still a big fight. You know, he's got a big profile. It's the whole scout against. You know, Eubank and yeah. you know, I think, yeah, the yeah, World. Exactly. I think it ranges from 30 to 60. You know, you could set up the discussions there are talking about capacity of around 50,000, something like that, for, for boxing, and that's a good number. You know, again, you know, we did Errol Spence against Kelbrook at Bramall Lane, we did 24, 25,000. And Bramall Lane and Sheffield United, with all due respect, it's not Liverpool Football Club. You know, here, if there's a fight at Anfield. People are going, do you know what I mean? But the bigger the fight, the better. From a Eubank and a Billy Joe perspective, you've got the beauty of a domestic fight. Particularly with Billy, you've got a unification fight. But Golovkin, for me, would be, that would be special to bring Golovkin to Anfield as well. So. If,
5: if Kovalev beats yeah. Canelo, yeah. that could potentially be made for Anfield.
6: Yeah, maybe. Probably got a couple of rematch clauses thrown in there as well in that fight. So I just think that you, you, know, you need a fight that's going to capture the imagination. You certainly can't do... A voluntary defence for Callum Smith at Anfield, and he doesn't want a voluntary defence. You know, and you can start to become stale. One of the good things about the rider fight is it's a Brit, you know, he'll be in the gym, Callum, knowing I've got to be switched on here. You know, he's going to have support up there, He's going to be a lot coming up from London, and I don't want to lose to a Brit here. But you can start becoming a little bit stale, so he's got to have this fight look good and then 100%, even if Anfield doesn't happen, you go to America and you have. You know, a unification fight, Benavidez, Canelo, whoever. Because that's his time. His time is now, really. And uh, But for me, you know, having done, I don't know, 20 events in, in Liverpool, to do it at Anfield with a really big card would be would be the nuts. The
5: There's been a lot of talking the last few months around Callum mm. and other offers and different promotions mm. and things like that on the table. Did you ever fear at any point he may walk, he may lose him? Yeah, I think, you
6: know... I don't have a contract with every fighter that i represent. Many different reasons for that. But one of the reasons is because I'm not a litigious type that wants to handcuff you. And if you hate me and you're not happy with how I'm promoting your career, you're off, mate. You know, and I don't want to fall out of you. I've, I've represented Callum Smith from his debut. I think we've had one contract that probably lasted about five or six fights. And since then, everything's been done on a handshake because I respect him I I like him a lot I think he's a great fighter but if he would turn around to me one day and say Eddie this massive opportunity's come and I want to take it I would have a look at it with him and if it was if I felt that 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 was right I would say mate off you go Mm -hmm. but he doesn't he wants to be with us because he likes me he likes the platform he thinks that we're the right place for him to be and we are but the World Boxing Super Series was good and bad one because I couldn't promote him in the way I wanted to because it was on ITV pay per view and I'm a Skyman, so I can't stand up there and say, watch Callum Smith on ITV pay-per-view. So we've we become a little less close over that period. The good thing was he got a lot of money and he won a world title. But the bad thing was his, his profile dipped considerably, probably because I wasn't screaming and shouting. So when he came out of there, it was like Madison Square Garden. And these fights, these are the tough ones because he's number one super middleweight in the world. I got to pay him a lot of money. And sometimes when it's just on a regular sky fight night and just at the M&S Bank Arena, financially, it's not easy. Yeah. But the mega fights, they're easy because it, they generate the money, you know? So that's where we want to be. We all want to be at that stage. But we sat down and, you know, Joe Gallagher's Joe Gallagher's uh, then manager, was talking about, you know, talking to this person and this person. And I just said to him, look, mate, wherever you're easy to do, this is our plan. November 23rd. Anfield. So, if you want it, that's what, and he just bought into that. I mean, I think to Callum, unifications, money, all this stuff's important to fighters. I think boxing at Anfield surpasses all of that. You know, I really feel like that, to him, is everything in his career. You know, the way he talks and the passion, and he's quite a quiet individual, but the passion he talks about being the guy to put that night on for his city. The Smiths are boxing people you know, through and through, like proper. I think you might even see Paul come out of retirement for for Anfield. Yes. they all four brothers would, would box on that card. Oh, yeah. Oh, it's lucky I actually does look like he's lost a little bit weight. I was going to say, yeah, yeah. But I wouldn't be surprised, you know, I really wouldn't be. And, and actually, you wouldn't hold it against him either. But that's, I, I really feel like if Callum can be the person that makes that happen, I don't think it'll ever happen again. So, you know, that, and that's, we talk about legacy through winning belts and stuff like that that's a different kind of legacy for your own city to be remembered as that guy you know like John Conte sort of thing you know John Conte is a legend in he, any round here you know and, and almost be that yeah, but guy it, but that...
5: he never had a moment like that he no, never had a no. homecoming like that no. he, fought, he defended his belt against Len Hutchins at the yeah. old Liverpool stadium in yeah, yeah. front of about 2,000 yeah, yeah, people yeah, yeah. but he never had a stadium no. fight and that's no. what Callum and can do and...
6: And, and it's really ballsy and aggressive to even attempt it but Liverpool are on board and you know when you get the club on board they're such a huge club that they add so much might anyway to the to the promotion. But it's all irrelevant if you don't beat John Ryder on November 23rd.
5: Were the negotiations with the club tough? Because there was a talk a couple of years ago, and then it came out saying it was crazy expensive and yeah, whatever they else. Will
6: be, they will be, and that's still ongoing. What I wanted to know is their appetite. You know, I wanted to go down there, and I took Callum, because I want them to see the fighter. You know, I did it with Goodison, with Bellew. Now, Goodison nearly fell through because we didn't have enough time, and Bellew stood up and sort of gave this, you know... Speech about the club and what it means to him and what it would mean to fight for a world title and then they were like oh go on then so you know they've got their own business but at the same time they're also in an events business you know they did Pink it was a massive crowd there and, and they loved the idea of staging a major fight with Callum Smith so once we got that we still got to go through the deal and all that stuff but the answer is we want to do this and I'm saying so do we so that, that, those sort of stuff how you know, we get done it's really about the fight that's the key but again, I think you're gonna to get to a stage where the build up with this fight, Callum's probably gonna get sick and tired of everyone talking about Anfield think I've got to beat John Ryder first.
5: But the city won't stop talking about it. Know.
6: Well, because of the potential and you know, if he was to beat John Ryder I would announce the date on the night. You know, and that, that would you know and then you've got sort of a six month period of everyone getting really excited about an event that people will never forget.
5: You could be looking at a position where, the way they're sitting now, Liverpool could win the league, and oh, Callum yeah. Smith could be the homecoming parade.
6: And actually, some of the stuff that we were talking about with this, the dates in between the end of season, Champions League, FA Cup final. So you've got to pick it right. And for once, I hope you don't make the Champions League final, <laughs> because that could be our Saturday that night.
3: <laughs> uh, there you go, Eddie Hearn speaking to Nick Pete a little earlier on this week in Liverpool about Callum Smith and the potential of him fighting uh, at Anfield. Um, we'll pick the bones out of that in a moment So you're listening to Talk Sport
2: on DAB Digital Radio and 1089 and 1053 AM Fight Night with Adam Catterall and Gareth A. Davis on Talk Sport
3: uh, Saturday Night Fight Night here on Talk Sport I'm Adam Catterall Gareth A. Davis alongside me if you've missed any part of the show by the way so far uh, it will be available as a podcast for you TalkSport.com is the website if you need an Android feed Uh, And iTunes, of course, you can go there and subscribe to us so therefore you never miss out on any of the shows that we provide for you here on Talksport and I thoroughly recommend that you definitely listen to this one again, especially the first hour or so because uh, Connor and Nigel Benn were absolutely sensational to kick off the show, uh, as was Joe Joyce and his manager Sam Jones. Very, very amusing, a lot of them uh, in the first hour, so make sure you subscribe to the podcast to be a part of it. Uh, You've just heard from Eddie Hearn there speaking about his upcoming show in November in Liverpool where Callum Smith is having a bit of of a homecoming, defending his uh, world title against his mandatory challenger in John Ryder. Listen, mandatories and mandatories, Gareth, you've got to take care of them as and when they uh, pop up, but for Callum, with him having such a sensational victory to become world champion in the World Boxing Super Series against George Groves, and then obviously having a little bit of time off, defending his belt against Hassan and Dam, now he's got a John Ryder situation. Is he in danger, and I mean this in the most nicest, politest way, is he in danger of having a, a world title reign very similar to that of Kelbrook, where he goes he goes away, he has a great win against Sean Porter. I mean, we saw Sean Porter last week. I mean, that just puts into perspective how great a win it was for Kelbrook And then he comes back and he's defending his belt against the likes of Giorgio Jordan. Callum is absolutely desperate and he's in need of a huge name, isn't he? To just to solidify himself. Uh, in the world's eyes as the number one super middleweight on the planet.
4: No, I do agree with you. And it's amazing to think that that fight with uh, George Groves in, uh, was it, how was it? Uh, the Middle East? Jeddah. It? Jeddah. Yeah, in Jeddah. 13 yeah. months ago. is incredible. It was that long ago. And uh, while you touched on it, Adam, I've got to say to, to our listeners, if you haven't seen um, Sean Porter against Errol Spence, oh. it's probably the fight of the year, actually, I would say. Yeah. Um, it, it, it was a war as well as a technical battle. Hearts, guts, everything you want to see from elite-level fighters. And I always had Porter uh, losing that fight, you know, really losing it. But the, but virtually every every round was competitive, um, even though I, I still had it 116, 111 to Errol Spence. And the fight now we want is, is Terence Crawford. I mean, no, you just can't... It's just so mouth-watering. It's, it's it's one of the greatest fights on the planet. Um, so that's my tuppence worth on that, by the way. But, but I do think... I don't know if you agree that it's one of the fights of the year, if not the fight of the year so far. Mm.
3: But regarding Callum... Yes. He... I know that obviously the conversation there that Nick just had with Eddie is all. It all seems to be gearing towards uh, Anfield, and that's all mm. well and good, and it's fantastic, and we'd all love to be there at a big stadium fight to watch Callum Smith do his thing. But it's so important that the dance partner in the opposite corner is massive, the likes of a Billy Joe Saunders, yeah, uh, a Golovkin or a, or a Canelo or, or somebody of that ilk. It has to be a massive name in order not just to solidify a night with it. Oh, I once fought at Anfield, but also. Mm. I fought against the very, very best in the world.
4: Yeah, and I think, you know, you're right. There's only, there's only four or five names it could be. Um, I'm not sure about Kovalev, because um, I'd rather see Callum stay at 168 pounds, super middleweight for now. Um,
3: How and, long do you think he can do that for? Well, he's
4: been saying for a while it, it's, it's tough. Um, mm. and, and by the way, I mean, the odds, I do expect him to come through john Ryder, john was in here in the studio when you were in copenhagen last week yep. and um
3: he's a top fella no he's a great about it. He, he,
4: he's the dark-haired canelo basically he looks like canelo <laughs> and he's he, but he does have an air of confidence about him that he didn't have a couple of years ago he's much happier at super middleweight than he was at middle um those extra eight pounds he can carry is has made him a much happier man and fighter Um, you know, he's fighting for his family now. But, I mean, you look at the odds with the bookmakers. Callum Smith's 1 to 20 on. Or if you take an average with all the bookmakers, he's 1 to 12 on. And John Mm. Ryder's 9 to 1. So it just shows you the disparity between what the bookmakers believe Ryder will have to do to pull off what would be a, a shock victory, frankly. Um, the thing is, to answer your question about Callum, about, um... Would he do it could he would he could he do a Calbrook? The thing is about Callum, and I must have known him what is he twenty eight now probably mm-hmm. known him for ten twelve years he's never shown a huge ego um, he's not one of those guys who I think he enjoys his life with his wife or his p- fiance or his girlfriend away mm-hmm. from. Boxing, and I think they go on holiday a lot. Remember, remember him telling us that um she didn't allow him to bring the Ali trophy into the house because it was such an ugly <laughs> thing. Do you remember him telling us? And it's still, it's still in the box in the in the garage. I think the thing is about Callum, and you heard it there in his voice. Yes, he wants Anfield. Yes, he wants a big name, and yes, he wants Canelo rather than Kovalev. Mm -hmm. And I do get that completely, because that is the big fight for him, I think. It's that big name. I just Mm -hmm. don't think he ever steps outside himself. You know, he's the youngest of those four boxing brothers. And I just think he's so modest. I don't think he'll ever, um, he'll never let his ego take control of him. And for that reason, he will always put 100% into what he does. And I was delighted that the Boxing uh, Board of Control made him their Boxer of the Year for this year.
3: Mm. What do you think is more likely, uh, fight-wise, for for Anfield? Because I think well, the Canelo fight is a very, very difficult fight to yeah, make. Yeah, it, it is. I mean, it, I think I think you're looking at maybe a Billy Joe Saunders. Really, yes, that's I what agree. I think you're looking at. Uh,
4: it's, it's very easy for Eddie to make that fight. <coughs> we don't know who Billy Joe Saunders will fight. Um, can I say this out loud, on the undercard of KSI <laughs> and Logan Paul in uh, at the Staples Centre on November the 9th. We don't know who he'll fight yet. Eddie's been saying, Eddie Hearn's been saying, it will be an American. Um, so I do think with both men promoted by the same uh, management group, that you, you do imagine that would be the easy fight to make. And like you say, this could be a one-off step up for Canelo. And, and I think... They've seen Oscar De La Hoya, as promoter, have seen something in Sergei Kovalev, perhaps brought about by that night that you were on your knees when we were watching <laughs> Anthony Yard against Kovalev in the green room here before we came on air, that, that Anthony showed in that, what was it, ninth round, uh, mm. it's, I think it was the ninth round, where he, where he attacked Kovalev to the body. That he literally was stopping him in his tracks and because canelo's such a brilliant body puncher they fancy that fight but there's no way he's going to be hanging around at, uh, at light heavyweight or even i think super middleweight for that long i think he'll go back to middleweight because i think he's going to fight golovkin um who obviously has got another difficult fight himself in against deravyanchenko tonight i mean he may not come through that fight Um, It's a very, very tough fight for for Gennady Golovkin. So, we've got this situation at the moment where there's so many boxers in so many divisions not Mm. having the fights they really should be having. But I think a Canelo fills out Anfield, um, but I don't think a Kovalev does. I don't think he's a big enough name over here. Does
3: a Billy Joe Saunders, does a Chris Eubank Jr.?
4: Yeah, I think a Chris Eubank Jr. does. I think a Billy Joe Saunders makes it a big fight. Um, But I just think the fight itself... Yeah, rather like we'll see against Ryder. Callum is so tall. What is he? Six two, six two and a half. Mm. He's mm. so long. He's got a great jab, and he's very good on the inside, as he was pointing out to Nick in that brilliant interview Nick did with him. It was like Merseyside Radio, wasn't it? <laughs> so the, here's here's another interview from the Republic of Merseyside. Um, that he he is he's got amazing levers on the inside, and I think it could. Billy Joe Saunders is so technical. I think that's what happened with Ryder. I think he'll be kept on the outside in a frustrating manner, and I think he will do the same against Billy Joe Saunders. And it could be a bit of a standoff as a fight with not big periods of action um, and a very close fight. But one, I think that that, that Callum wins. Um, I, I, if anything, I, I, <laughs> Anfield for me is a possible fight with just Canelo, and th- and that's it really.
3: Mm, good point. Um, do stick with us. Uh, you will listening to Fight Night on Talksport. There's a lot going on elsewhere in the world of boxing as well. You will have seen this week that sadly Joseph Parker's had to pull out of the Derrick Chisora fight, which we're all looking forward to on October the 26th. We'll talk about perspective guys that can stand in uh for Josie Parker on that particular night, whether they can remake it and what have you, we'll get stuck into that in a moment or two. And there's other things as well uh that are going on in the world of boxing that we have to talk about. As Gareth had just mentioned Triple G's in action tonight so we'll get stuck into that in a moment or two. You're listening to Fight Night on Talk Sport uh, this is Fight Night on Talk Sport uh, I'm Adam Catterall, Gareth a. Davis, alongside me. Earlier on this week, we learned that Joseph Parker has had to pull out of the Derek Chisora fight. We were all looking forward to that on October 26th, part of a, uh, a major card at the O2 Arena, which is doubling up with the World Boxing Super Series final between Josh Taylor and Regis Pagres. Another super fight there, unifying uh, the super lightweight division. Disappointing news, this, because I was really looking forward to it, Gareth, that mm. heavyweight clash between Derek. Derek's on a little mm. bit of a run at the moment. I really like Joseph. He's a top guy. And I genuinely thought that this would have been a a fight that would have lived up to all our expectations. I thought we were going to get a cracker. It's just a shame that Joseph has had to pull out.
4: Yeah, well, the, the infamous spider bite in Las Vegas. Um, <laughs> and I tell you, whenever I'm there, I do watch out for those black widows because they, uh, they do inhabit Nevada. Um, yeah, I mean, look, Derek Chisora over the last year or two has got in better shape under David Hay. He's he's really box office. I mean, he stole the Regis Progray, um Josh Taylor... Um, press conference the other day with uh, saying that he was getting abused <laughs> by Eddie Hearn. He told us uh, at his last contest that he told Eddie he had a broken arm and he needed more money, um, but then told Eddie, like, the day after he was fine, really. Um, he's he's become a very... I mean, I remember sitting with Colin Hart the last time Derek fought and knocked out uh, Arta Spilker in devastating fashion with that left mm-hmm. hook. Um, you know, we were just under him that night, just below him when he did it, and and Spilko, you know, dropped like an ox being shot. It was unbelievable. Sorry, I shouldn't really use that uh, analogy, but he was literally, he, he just dropped um, like a sack of potatoes. And um, you know, I think the thing is about Derek, um like he says now, he's not a he's not a guy fighting for belts. He's a, he's a money he's a money weight fighter. He's a prize
3: yeah, he's a prize fighter. Uh, he's a prize, yeah. prize
4: fighter exactly. Um, it is a shame. Um, Joseph Parker was going to bring it. He's become a big name here. His last three fights have been in the UK, um, and and he's a guy we really enjoy. We enjoy being around him. He's got a lot of fans here, um, mm. but it is a shame, um, and they're they're not finding an easy solution for that. Um, so there's but, a
3: lot of names there, isn't there, Gareth? Yeah. I mean, what would you what would your Option B for for Derek, because some of the names that are being mentioned, the likes of, say, for example, a Michael Hunter, I look at that and think, that's dangerous, what do you want that for? Because Michael Hunter, I think he's a bit of a sleeping giant in this division, I really do, the way that he's moved up from Cruiserweight here against Derek. I don't know, maybe size will count in Derek's favour that but I just think Michael Hunter's all wrong for him. Well, who, well, who would you go for?
4: Well, I, I, I don't think anyone's a problem for, for Derek Chisora because he's got one of the best chins we've seen in, in heavyweight boxing uh, in the last few years. I know David Hay knocked him out in 2012, in July 2012.
3: After As there, did Dillian. As did Dillian, yeah. But
4: he's still, listen, he, he's getting on a bit, but he's still one of the toughest heavyweights out there. Um, if, if Derek had real power... He would have been a world champion already. Um, I'm not saying he hasn't got power, but he... Um, You're talking
3: Deontay Wilder power. Yeah, exactly.
4: Yeah. That that kind of, you know, coruscating one-punch knockout power. Um, it's a very difficult one. I mean, you know, throw some of the other names at me. Do we, do we have the other names? Oscar
3: Rivas. What do you think of that?
4: Ooh, Oscar Rivas. Yep, great fight. I, I think Rivas Al- is dangerous for him.
3: Alexander Povetkin.
4: Yeah, but great. I mean, I I watch both of those. Fascinated by both those. I'd rather those two than Michael Hunter. Because I think one for we, you. We, we've got we've got we've got more that we can get our teeth into. The British boxing public's got more they can get their teeth into with those two. You got another what one here?
3: Think- yeah? yeah. What about Otto Wallin? <laughs>
4: um, <laughs> do you know what the Listen- fun- funny thing is? I think I think Derek would do a number on him. Mm.
3: And I honestly think that maybe Frank's lining Otto Wallen up for a certain Daniel Dubois after yeah. his uh, performance uh, a couple of weeks back. Mm-hmm. It's going to be interesting to see who they do put in there. Um, because, like you say, he's on a little—he's he, riding the crest of a wave at this moment. That Spilker fight, I mean, I actually tipped Spilker to, you know, cause him all sorts of problems. So did that I. Fr- from Completely. that southpaw stance. Mm, uh, mm. And Derek took care of him very, very quickly and very, very soundly as well. And he's riding the crest of a wave. I think it's important that they get the right opponent. Povetkin if I'm honest, is the name of all the ones that we've just mentioned. If you're looking for a name to be matching the likes of a Joseph Parker, Alexander Povetkin's the name, isn't it?
4: Yeah, definitely. And, and as we heard from Joe Joyce, can't remember if it was on air or not. Derek priced himself out of a fight with Joe Joyce wanting 5 million, if you recall. Hmm. Um, did we do that on air? Or was, them, was yeah, that yeah. them talking to us? Yeah. Um, off, off air. Um, look, for me, Derek has probably got four or five fights left. And he just wants to stay relevant. He's not a gatekeeper, but he's a, he, he's he's the kind of guy that he, he's going to fight Daniel Dubois at some point for the right money. Um, he's probably going to fight Joe Joyce at the at, at some point for the right money. Um, and you never know; he might just sneak in a world title. You just you know who would you fancy? Andy Ruiz and and Derek Chisora.
3: Oh, it's a good fight, I, I... isn't it? It is, a, it, yeah, it's intriguing. I'd still probably fancy the current heavyweight champion to come through that. On points? If he, yeah, I think he'd outbox him. Mm. Um But yeah, it's an interesting fact. Listen It says, a lot, lot, says a lot
4: about Derek, though, does it? Doesn't it? It mm. says a lot about who he can live with at the moment. I mean, what mm. you're saying says a lot about Andy Ruiz as well, to be fair.
11: Mm. Mm,
3: um, you, we, well, we've mentioned a couple of times uh, that there's a certain fight going on over in the States tonight, yeah. and I think we're both in the same opinion that this could be a bit of a... I don't want to use banana skin, because I, I think a lot of people that know boxing knows that Servier uh, Devinchenko is a, a legit contender uh, for this uh, vacant IBF crown, and could do a number on Triple G tonight. I think if Triple G is... Uh, we're going to find out tonight how far he has slipped, if he slipped at all. I think he's going to have to be absolutely on his game tonight in order to come through because I don't think this is a gimme fight. A lot of fans that are maybe not too au with boxing will look at this, they'll see the great name of Triple G fighting the guy that they've never heard of and they'll think, ah, oh. it's so another knockover for Triple G. It is far from that, isn't it, Gareth?
4: Well, I, I think the style really suits... The style of Derevyanchenko really suits... The way that Golovkin likes to fight people. Um he's unlikely to get on his bike, he likes to stand in front of people, he's Mm -hmm. a very adept puncher, very technical, um, throws brilliant shots to the body and head, and and he throws great combinations. But that's the kind of boxer that or the kind of style that Golovkin loves. Look, he clearly wants the third fight with with Canelo in the build up (laughs) in the build up to this fight. He's been telling media all week, I don't want to talk about Canelo. I don't want any questions about Canelo. Because he's clearly frustrated. Remember, they were meant to box. There was a contract for them to box on September the 14th, the night Tyson Fury took the Otto Vallin fight and took over Vegas with Mexican Independence weekend. Mm. That's when Golovkin, twice remember he's done that to him, because there was the fight they were meant to have You know, in, in 2018, when um, Canelo had tested positive for, um, yes. for banned substances. So th- there's a whole frustration for Golovkin around Canelo, but there's also the feeling that he's beaten him twice and he's got a draw and a loss against him. You know, the, mm-hmm. the first fight was a robbery, frankly. Mm-hmm. The second mm-hmm. fight was very close. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I I don't think there are that many signs that Golovkin is ageing horribly. Um the only thing I noticed in that last fight with Canelo was that he wasn't didn't want to expose himself to the body shots very much, which meant he didn't open up as much. I think, given his experience, given that this is Derevianchenko's fifteenth fight, you know, in terms of ring rounds, boxers are professional. Mm-hmm. Gennady has got two hundred rounds to Derevianchenko's eighty, and I just think that he'll have too much of him. I think it'll be a terrific fight. But like you say, it's not just a banana skin, it really does ruin the trilogy fight with Canelo and that will be in the back of his mind whether he likes it or not.
3: If he loses tonight, do you do you see him fighting again? Do you see him going on, Gennady Golovkin?
4: Yeah, I do. I think he's got to have two wins before building back again to the Canelo fight. He, he clearly At the won- edge
3: at the edge that he's at, do you think he'll he'll want to do that given all that he's achieved previously?
4: Oh, it's it's hard to know. I mean, you know, when you—he's thirty-seven now, isn't he? So, look, he's earned a lot of money. He's had a brilliant career in America. Um, He he might, he might walk away, but I do feel that that third fight with with Canelo, with Saul Canelo Alvarez, is burning inside him. Um,
3: I think the reason for him, obviously, because I think Vienchenko, he was the uh, the number one, obviously, for this IBF. Belt. And this is a belt that uh, Triple G previously held. He was stripped. He never lost it to Canelo. He was stripped because of obviously refusing to fight against Derevyanchenko mm. in the build-ups of the Canelo fights. Um, I think he believes in his head that he needs to get a trinket back in no. order to then entice Canelo into that third fight. If he loses tonight, I like you have just said, that Canelo fight is an absolute mile away. What else is there for him? At middleweight, nothing. Does he have to go up to super middleweight to go on maybe chess? I don't know. Maybe a Callum Smith, even who
4: knows? Well, maybe, but, but I think what's been good for him in this camp, he's with Jonathan Banks now, who was Vladimir yes. Klitschko's trainer, and I think that's refreshed him. Adam, um, Jonathan Banks, you know, learnt under Manny Stewart, the great, the the, the late great Manny Stewart, a brilliant. Um, um sage uh, a brilliant mentor a psychologist a motivator and a brilliant boxing brain the man who gave lennox lewis his style the man who gave vladimir klitschko his style and helped him be a world champion for 10 years in the heavyweight division um and i think having jonathan banks around and all the things he's learnt under uh, uh an under manny stewart i mean banks is on record this week as saying you know what I've noticed about Gennady is he's so technically brilliant and I've just reinforced those things to him in camp and that to use his boxing, not just rely on his power, but I think he will rely on his power in the late rounds of this fight. And he might even get a stoppage, but um, I do think he'll win this fight. By the way, Mm. by the way, um, horrible, disgraceful scenes at the um, Claressa Shields, um, Ivana Haberzin... Fight. Disgusting. Yeah, absolutely Dis- disgusting. Um, the weigh-in yesterday, um, trainer James Ali Bashir, who must be at least in his 70s, was Easily. knocked out by one of Claressa Shield's entourage. And fractured he needs, his jaw. Fra- fractured needs, his jaw. Fractured his jaw, needs facial surgery. Now, you expect lipper a weigh-in, you expect kind of people to, to sound off, but to do that is just an utter disgrace and the fight and it was now a,
3: and, it, and it was a sucker punch as well it was yes. a coward's punch it, it wasn't one of those where you where there's an altercation then it goes off he was he was hit from behind he wasn't even looking it was absolutely disgusting yes yeah, it's, it's it
4: punched in the back of the neck it's the kind of thing that gives the sport we love a horrendous name and whoever's mm. the perpetrator needs legal action taken against them you know mm.
3: Um, do stick with us because uh, there's a little bit of UFC going on tonight and obviously Gareth was in Ireland last week um, at the Bella Tour event which saw Conor McGregor uh, octagon side we'll get his thoughts on that next here on Fight Night don't go anywhere this is Talk Sport Jaylan now he's actually struggling with the movement of Warrington who's been constantly left
2: and right this is a better period again
5: oh that's oh. down he goes right hand
9: left hand Jaylan down I think there's a huge amount he can do about it now. Good early pressure from the
7: champion, back comes Brampton. Oh, he's got it. Big left hand from Warrington. What a start to this fight. And he's going looking for Brampton
10: right away. And that's a big right hand as well. I never thought I'd be a unified champion, but now I'm at this stage, there's no hope me. I'm certain I'm going to be unified champion.
5: The reading and defending IBF featherweight champion of the world... Josh, the Leeds
7: Warrior, Warrington!
3: This is Fight Night on Talksport. I'm Adam Castro, Garetha Davis alongside me. Time to look ahead. Uh, towards a fight that is coming our way on the 12th of October. Next Saturday night, First Direct Arena in Leeds. It is, of course, the one and only defending IBF featherweight champion of the world, Josh Warrington. He's taking on Sofian Takuch. Uh, And I've no doubt the Leeds faithful will be uh, looking forward to welcoming the champion back. It's going to be noisy next week. You were there, uh, obviously, that night in the, uh, at Ellen Road in the arena amazing. that night when uh, when, he, when he beat Lee Selby. i tell you something, mm. they don't half follow this boy. He's managed to bring a football crowd to boxing, hasn't he? No,
4: it's, it's incredible, his story. And, and, you know, the documentary about him, I can't remember the name of it now, the docu about his life is just Fight,
3: extraordinary. Is it Fighting for a City? Fighting, fighting for, for a hit. City. It's there just,
4: you, it, it, you know, I just love, you know, he's got a beautiful girl and he's, he's, I think twins he's got. Yep. I love his dad, Sean. Um, He's like one of the great characters, Um, you know. It's just he's just a brilliant story, Josh. And you know, when you look at his um, last three victories—Lee Selby, Carl Frampton, Kid Mm. Galahad—he's really taken on. You know, I know Kid Galahad wasn't a world champion; it hasn't been a world champion, but that was always going to be a tough fight for him, Um, and it probably the toughest of those three for him, in fact. Um, Mm. But his performances. Have really just made me think he is just a brilliant, brilliant fighter. I do think that he's taking a lot out, has taken a lot out of himself, Ad, in those three fights. Um, but look, I think Takoucht is yep. probably he's he's the number one French fighter, the baby-faced uh, uh, fighter, as he's called. Um, but he's not really highly ranked in the world. I think that finally he's having an easy defence of his. Uh, of his WBC or IBF, sorry, title, um, and and look, he deserves it. I know he's expressed the fact he's disappointed that it's you know he wants another big fight, you know, an Oscar Valdez, uh, you know uh, Leo Santa Cruz, one of those kind of guys. But you know, just enjoy yourself. You know, I think I think personally, I think it's uh, as, as long as Josh Warrington is Josh Warrington in this fight, gets the job done.
3: Mm. What is the super fight for him now? Because you've just mentioned a couple of names there. They've recently announced that they're going up to super featherweight. I know that the weight the discrepancy isn't massive, from 126 pounds to 130 pounds, but the likes of a Leo Santa Cruz, all British fighter fans know who he is, because he's been in with Carl Frampton in the past. Everybody knows who Oscar Valdez is, because we covered him that night mm-hmm. against Scott Quigg when he was absolutely sensational, and everybody knows that that's a proper, proper fight. But both those gentlemen have decided that they're going up to super feather, so Josh is there, IBF champion at featherweight. The only one real is Gary Russell Jr., and he's so sparse in the amount of times that he fights Gary Russell Jr. It's, it's going to be quite difficult uh, to maybe coax him into a battle.
4: Well, the, the WBO title's vacant at the moment, isn't it? And yes. you know, um, you're asking about the super fights. I mean, there are probably they're probably only two out there unless he wanted a rematch with one of our guys, but Gary Russell Jr. and Leo Santa Cruz um, and, and maybe Oscar Valdez of course, but um, obviously uh, But with them
3: stepping up in weight he might have to go up himself then, that's yeah. what I'm saying does he, does he have to vacate in order to get a, uh, a super fight and go up to super feather himself?
4: I think he will, I think if, if he gets the right opportunity I could see him going up he's proved everything he needed to prove at 126 pounds Adam, and mm. you know um it's it's a four pound step up um and i think it could do him some good because he he has taken wear and tear on his body um and and you know i'd like to see him have those fights oscar valdez at super feather um and gary russell and leo santa cruz at feather
3: with um i'm just looking at the weight category above there's a there's a guy that a lot of fight fans will know about tevin farmer oh yeah. You could uh, maybe... (sighs) I know that Javonta Davis has just gone up to lightweight, hasn't he? Mm -hmm. Well, he's he's announced that he's going up to lightweight, which is 135 pounds, and that might set up a super fight with the likes of Avasa Lomachenko. But Lomachenko, who's currently fighting... I'm I'm getting carried away here now. (laughs) Watch where I'm going, right? You go, you go. Lomachenko's obviously at lightweight. We know that Lomachenko, if we're really, really honest, is a super featherweight, but he's fighting above his weight category, five pounds above himself. What about Lomachenko coming back down to 130 pounds and having a bit of a roll with Josh Warrington? That's you know it might sound crazy me saying it right at this moment in time, but
4: it's doable. Yeah, definitely. And you know, if Lomachenko, we could talk about pay per view figures here a little bit if you like, because that's an interesting thing that came out of the last Lomachenko um, Luke Campbell fight. But yeah, yes, yes, he enjoyed coming here so much, and as long as his promoter Bob Aaron, would let him come here again. I think it's another terrific fight. There's, n- there's no way on earth Josh Warrington, uh, you know, and, and Bob arum has got a relationship with, with Frank Warren as well, as well as with Eddie Hearn. There's no way on earth Josh Warrington, yes, I don't th- think he beats Basil Lomachenko, but style, style wise, it's a terrific matchup because he's the kind of guy that will come and really try to put it on Lomachenko. And that so far has been the only style that has given him problems.
3: Imagine that in Leeds. <laughs> They'd do some tickets in Leeds, that wouldn't it? I reckon, I reckon they could do Leeds United, Ellen Road.
4: Definitely. Hey, by the way, I've, I've, I've got to tell you about this, Adam. They could do major tickets at Ellen Road. I think I'd like the O2 Arena again, frankly, but, but like you say, they could do Ellen Road. Um, I read a story this week by my friend Elliot Wursell in Boxing News about Dan Sarkozy. Do you know about this story?
3: Uh, the gentleman that had a stroke—he
4: had a stroke two years ago. Yeah. He had his operation, and he won tonight. Yeah, he came back and won in Bristol, uh, Bristol Leisure Centre. How wow. amazing is that? In Whitchurch Leisure Leisure Centre. How amazing! If you haven't, if you haven't read this story, go online and just read the story about Dan Sarkozy, who said he felt like an egg was being cracked yeah. over his head inside his brain. Mm. and he And he felt really weird. He ended up in this and he was in the gym. He ended up in hospital. um, he was told he had a hole in his heart. He was operated on, and all he was concerned about was getting back into the ring. Well, I find it incredible that he had a stroke, and he and he actually made his comeback tonight. I mean, it kind of worries me, but, but it's just an incredible story when you think that medical science has come to the point where someone can actually do that, you know. It, do you know
3: something? This is why we love this game. All all the all the razzmatazz of <clears throat> fight night and the fancy ring walks and the flashy shorts and the the tremendous nights of fights. Yeah, that's that's. Listen, on the face of it, of course, that that is boxing. But for me, it's the narratives, it's the stories that uh, of these fighters, of their lives, the things behind the actual fighter, and that the, the, a story of a guy that has suffered a stroke, who's dealing with all this personal uncertainty in order to then get himself back to compete at the very highest levels in the in the professional game. That is the reason why we cover this sport,
4: isn't it, Gareth? It's, it, no, it's incredible. I mean, and, uh, you know, it, it, just him describing what he went through um, and yet the doctors were telling him that his heart rate was so low that he shouldn't really be alive. But he was so fit. And I think that's the other thing about these guys and girls that we cover, that we write about, that we broadcast on, that we, that we lionize in many ways, is that we just admire their life force. We admire the, the healing qualities, the therapy that they get from fighting, from training, <clears throat> the endorphins, all those things that go towards making this sport, as you say, being the most fascinating on earth.
3: Uh, Do stick with us uh, because we're going to turn our attention towards mixed martial arts. There's uh, UFC 243 getting underway very, very shortly in Australia. It's bizarre. Check this out: in Australia, they're going to be fighting in the early hours of the morning for our midnight entertainment. It's absolutely wacky. And last weekend, Gareth was in uh, Dublin for uh, UFC Bellator. Conor McGregor was in attendance, so we'll get the latest from the notorious one in a moment or two here on Talksport.
4: There he is. Never so good.
3: They kept your microphone down for a little bit longer this week. There you go. You're up. Oh, it's uh, fight f- night.
4: Look, it does make you feel sorry. It is fight night. Adam, you're doing a great job keeping me under wraps. <laughs> <laughs> but it is amazing, isn't it? That that song now, whenever you hear it,
3: it's synonymous.
4: I hear, I, but I see like Americans playing it now at other sporting events, and they're all dancing along to it. And you know Neil Diamond, the the, the oldest crooner in town. Do you know it's just unbelievable, really.
3: Must be yeah. making a few quid off the old PRS. Yeah. Uh, anyway, let's turn our attention towards uh, mixed martial arts. Before we get into uh, USC and USC two four three tonight, which is a fantastic middleweight contest <laughs> between Robert Whittaker and Israel Adesanya, just want to get your uh, stories from last week, my friend. Obviously, you were at Bellator. It was a fantastic weekend at, uh, at Bellator Dublin, mm. where uh, James Gallagher. I mean that. The, the, the guillotine stoppage within what what it 17 seconds it was absolutely unbelievable what we saw last week and Michael Venom Page but I think the big talking point once again at a Bellator event is that Conor McGregor was in attendance I know that he's got a lot of gym mates that are in Bellator that were competing he was a lot more well behaved this time round, he wasn't jumping over the cage and various things like that mm-hmm. i know that obviously you've got a good relationship with him so i know that you will have had at least a bit of off the record chat where is he at at this moment in time gareth because a lot of the talk a lot of the column inches are all things outside of the octagon all negative things at this moment we want this guy back in the octagon mm-hmm. competing and and creating a stir like he did in for positive reasons taking a brand new audience into the world of mixed martial arts where's he at, at this moment?
4: Well, 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 look, he, he, he was there because 16, no less, 16 of his teammates uh, from SBG Gym were on that card. Um, I, I also had dinner in the week with John Kavanagh. Um, and um, John told me that Connor is, this was obviously, uh, that was on Wednesday, and Connor was just there on the Saturday night. John said he's back seriously in training now. Um, and I do believe that. And there was a, there was a thickness about Connor's body when you shook his hand and uh, a more relaxed air about him than I've seen two years ago. You know, he, he was like a crazed animal there climbing into the uh, the cage and, you know, wrestling with the referee and, you know, literally causing mayhem. This time he was putting his hands in the air saying, yes, I'm running towards the cage, but I'm just celebrating my teammates. And, uh, you know, I, I, as I said to him, you know, we really do want you back. I mean, you, you know yourself, Adam. He, he, he's... He's an incredible part of the industry. I, I mean, I had 10 years with Manny Pacquiao and Floyd Mayweather where they were, every time they fought twice a year, those four huge events that they were involved in were mega, mega events. Um, mm-hmm. And everyone else paled in into insignificance. And I feel a little bit that way with Conor now. He's, he's left a huge hole in the UFC. I mean... There's, I mean, and, and I do think he is coming back. I mean, everyone around him, um, I spe- spoke to Pedro Carvalho this week as well. Um, mm-hmm. They all say he's training seriously and it says something about him. Um, as I say, the fact that he was readily able to, to chat, he, he wasn't giving anything away, I'll be honest about that. And I said, we miss you. And he said, I know you do, but I will be back. I mean, we're hearing that potentially, certainly, you know, islands are. Uh, you know, it's a small place and everyone seems to know what's going on. Um, yes, he's got some issues outside the the gym, outside the, the fight arena. Um, but people are saying that f- they believe it's going to be Frankie Edgar for his comeback yeah. fight in December. And it's a fight that makes sense to me. I'm sure it makes sense to you as well that it'll be Frankie.
3: You just said December there. Is that realistic? December the 14th. I know he's put out there uh, December the 14th Dublin, but that is the UFC 245. That's the card they're set up for Las Vegas. They're not going to move it, surely. I think he's just uh, playing
4: there. I mean, you know, <laughs> but, but, you know, maybe, you know, wh- why why wouldn't he do the, the New Year show? Um, I mean, he's going to need a 10-week camp. Um, that would have to start in mid-October. He's already hard in training um the big problem with connor he's got so much money he's got his businesses are doing so well
8: Mm
0: -hmm. You
4: just wonder and i've said this to you many times i just wonder if he's got the hunger you know and and i mean that in the most respectful way Um, it's
3: it's like that phrase that marvin Hagler came up with isn't it it's very hard to go and do your runs at six o'clock in the morning when you're getting out of bed wearing silk pajamas you know it's it's It's, very difficult to do that he's not he's not the unemployed plumber anymore that, that has that hunger
4: no, exactly. I mean, and and you, you saw that with with you know his his mini me, if you like, his prototype um, yes. in James Gallagher, um, who carried the event brilliantly all week. Admittedly, he was up against uh, a late replacement who, who struggled to make the weight. Um, that there, you see, hunger of a young man from from Staban, who really wants to prove himself, who has no fear, who loses. Rather like Connor when Connor lost the first time to Nate Diaz, had no fear in taking him on again. I thought it was ludicrous or crazy at the time, but look what he did second time around. But for uh-huh. me, the two big fights for Connor are the Khabib rematch, which I still think he'll struggle uh, in because Khabib's come on so much. And, and obviously the Nate Diaz trilogy. Um, yeah. but, but other than that, you know, I mean, there's so much money to be made by the UFC. Just talking about the business side of it, if the UFC can get Conor back. I mean, you talk to Dana White, and he says, you know, I, I, I text and or talk with with Conor at least once a week because obviously he's a linchpin in their organization still, and he's he's still under contract. So mm. um, I just hope he does come back
3: um, tonight, yes. or should I say, in the early hours of the morning in uh, in Australia. Uh, the middleweight championship of the world will be contested, and I'm delighted that this is on, obviously. Mm. We've got Robert Whitaker, who's the full champ. You've got the uh, interim champ, if you if you will, because obviously the full champ has been injured for a short period of time uh, in Israel, Adesanya, the new breed. This is, without any shadow of a doubt, I think the biggest fight that Australasia has ever seen. Um, a Nigerian living out of New Zealand and a New Zealander living out of Australia mm. going at it together for, a perp- for an American pay-per-view per- event. Um, down under, I just think it's going to be, firstly it's going to be unbelievable it's in the same stadium that uh, Ronda Rousey and Holly Holm fought out where there's 50 odd thousand people going to be in attendance and as I look at all the cards that there have been this year in the UFC Gareth I've, I've always found it quite easy so far this year to say right I'm going to go with this fighter, this is how I think this is going to be playing out I've not always got it right, don't get me wrong there's been a couple in there like for example Dustin Poirier beating Max Holloway, that I didn't pick that fight but there's Pre-fight, I've, I've always found it quite easy to go with a particular fighter and go, this is what's going to happen. Yeah. This, this, tonight, is the most difficult one of the year. Every time I make an argument for Robert Whittaker, there's always a thing in the back of my head that goes, well, what about this from Israel Adesanya? And vice versa. They are just perfectly matched. It can't be anything but brilliant, this.
4: Well, it's so hard to know how it's going to play out. As, as you say, Whittaker's undefeated at middleweight, Adesanya's undefeated, period. Yeah, they're both elite. Uh, both elite fighters. They're in their prime. They're headlining in the stadium. Um, for me, it will come down to the, 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 what's won Robert Whitaker. His fights against the very best at middleweight is his his is his point fighting with his hands and his footwork. And um, Adesanya is completely unpredictable. Um, and yet is is. Is Anderson Silva like in his striking abilities? I can't see this going to the ground. It's going to be a kickboxing and uh, muay Thai <laughs> fight. You know, it's that's what it's going to be. It's going to be absolutely thrilling, and I will be staying up for this one. I, I'm going to go. go on. I think. I I think if you, the only thing that's making me think that, um, that that Whitaker may win this is that, um, he. Punch is harder than Kelvin Gastelum. Yeah. Yes. Um, and if
3: Gastelum can get to Adesanya, Whittaker most certainly can. Yeah,
4: I think so. But it's still a brilliant, brilliant fight. And brilliant for New Zealand and Australia. It's the biggest fight locally that they've ever had over there with two great heroes.
1: My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything.